Hey, Arman, what's up? What's good, brother? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good to see that we're on episode number 41. Time passes so fast. Time passes. And um, I had my assistant just uh, double check uh, how many hours of episodes um, worth of content do we have. Can you guess how much it is? A hundred. So I'm going to guess 40 episodes, two and a half hours per episode on average. So a hundred hours. So I believe from episode zero or one to 39, it came out to 164 hours. What? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, man, we've been talking about a whole bunch of different things then. Man, that's insane. We've talked a lot. Yeah. At this point, we should start dating or something. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> so I, I was um, hearing some controversy uh, recently about something with Swiggy that happened. What is that? Okay, so Swiggy is an online food delivery platform in India. So it's like DoorDash. You order something, a guy will deliver it from the restaurant to your house. And mm-hmm. India has this peculiar thing where all these new age corporations, every time there's a Hindu festival going on, they'll start giving everybody gyan that, you know, don't do this, do that. This is Diwali, don't burn crackers. This is holy, so don't, you know, don't have eggs or whatever. And they only do it during Hindu festivals. So they try mm-hmm. to malign Hindu festivals as a time when negative things happen and why you should change yourselves and do something else. But they never give any gyan on, say, a Christian festival or a Muslim festival or anything else. So anytime there's a Hindu festival, they'll all pounce on Hindus and act like Hindus are these idiots who have no idea what they're doing. And they have to teach Hindus how to be civilized. And gyan so, is wisdom? Or what is that? Gyan is like, you know, a preaching. Preaching, okay. So they'll be preaching, you know, like, for example, if it's Diwali, then don't burst crackers. Crackers are bad for environment. But anytime there's a Muslim festival or a Christian festival, you will never hear them say don't burst crackers. Mm -hmm. Or now when it's Diwali, Swiggy, they put up an ad saying don't throw eggs on everybody. As if people throw eggs on people. So that's all normal. And they know that. But they just want to associate Hindu festivals with something negative. Mm -hmm. And that's why they do this. So they've gotten into a controversy along with a bunch of other people. For example, there's this pe- there's a company called Bharat Matrimony, which published an advertisement that kind of makes it look like Hindu people beat up women on Holi and women use the color of Holi to hide the faces after being beaten up. So that's bullshit. And they just want to create this negative connotation with Hindu festivals. So Swiggy people, they've gotten into this controversy and now people are uninstalling their app and giving them one stars on Google Play. And I was telling my followers, wait a minute, why are you uninstalling their app? These companies, this company in particular, they are loss making on operating profits. They they have a negative operating margin. That means that on every order you place, they lose money. So why would you uninstall them? Just place a whole bunch of small orders for things like eggs, which are not profitable for them and Mm -hmm. bleed them out. Every order you make, I think you can make an order above 100 rupees and they deliver it for free. So you can keep making small orders and every single order, they lose a dollar, half a dollar in <laughs> you know delivery costs to you. They're not going to make any money whatsoever. So right. instead of uninstalling their app, just place a lot of small orders and make them bleed cash. 
Like hit where it hurts, learn to fight. Right. And that's a 4D chess move right there. Yeah, 4D chess move because if you uninstall their app, well, what are you going to do? You don't have an alternative. You don't have decent alternatives to these platforms, right? You can't stop using a big company. That's why they're big. Mm-hmm. But you can hurt them. You can make them bleed out, especially with these loss-making companies, right? I mean, first of all, your main business is in India with Hindu people. Why are you being preachy to them and why are you making them look bad when, you know, they're not doing anything bad? Hindu, average Hindu, 99.9999% of Hindus, they're not throwing eggs at anybody. They don't even eat eggs. So right. why are you making it look like Hindus throw eggs on others. That makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you should just respect the land that you are on. And because they don't do that, I think it makes sense to bleed them out. And how reliant is India and um, just the population on Swiggy? Is this like a big, big corporation or is it something that you guys could even live without? No, there are a lot of alternatives. This isn't a big corporation at all. I mean, it's a big company, but it's popular in some areas. Mm-hmm. But you can think of it like DoorDash. There are alternatives everywhere. Right. Okay. Do you guys have DoorDash? I don't know. I've never looked for it, but we. I don't think so. Okay, because if DoorDash is there, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Swiggy shouldn't be messing around like that. I don't like it when companies are getting preachy and like uh, delivering political information and all that. I'm like, dude, just do your damn job and stay out of the rest. Yeah, I don't get it either. I mean, like, why would a company wake up one day and be like, okay, I'm going to teach people how to live. Dude, your business is delivering food. Yeah. Why are you commenting on these things? And if you are commenting, and then, then comment on everybody, right? How come you never comment on Christians or Muslims? Why is it always Hindus? I mean, just because we're an extremely peaceful people doesn't mean that you start doing this bullshit to us. The reason they don't comment on Muslims is because Muslims will beat them up. And mm. Christians, I don't know. There's not enough Christians here, but Hindus don't do anything, and that's why they keep doing this stuff. What about right now? Are the Hindus fighting back, or are they pretty much doing the boycotting thing? It's a social media mob, right? Nothing comes of it. People forget about it in two days, and they know it too. They haven't even taken down those ads. Right. So I, I did notice you speak up about it. Was that one of those things where it, it annoyed you, or is it one of those things where it's just everyone's talking about it so you had to chime in as well i've been trying to get my twitter account to start growing fast again Mm -hmm. and it seems to make sense to me to talk about some more popular topics as they pop up right and you know ever since the whole trump thing happened a couple years ago everybody's twitter growth has slowed down a lot Mm -hmm. and at this point i'm not even sure why i spend that much time on twitter so lately for the past couple months i've just been using scheduling i've not been using the app at all simply because it's just growing so slowly and right. this is not my fault now, now you can see the impressions your tweets get and the number of likes they have and my re- likes to tweet you know impressions ratio is really high it's higher than most people so my tweets are really good this is not a problem with me i've just been shadow banned or something i've triggered the algorithm and now they're not promoting me as much mm. it's one of those things where it's like twitter the reason that people spend a lot of time on the platform, it's not just for the consumption part, but for the creators, like reward the creators that are consistently producing. But what's happening now is that there's a lot of these creators that just join engagement groups that are over here retweeting one another, which I get the game, 
uh, a lot more people are doing paid uh, tweets now too. But the organic route nowadays, it's so slow. It's too slow. It's way too slow. I mean, if you're a neocon, it works well. But mm. if you trigger the algorithm in some way, you know, maybe you make it think, you know, this is an alt-right account or something, then it kills your growth for a while. Mm. So I don't know what I tripped, but it's been tripped for a while now. Right. I, I noticed what you're talking about with the whole paid engagement groups because people keep messaging me, you know, would you like to join our engagement group? I'm like, I do not want to join your engagement group. <laughs> All I can say is that for the organic method, you develop an audience that actually likes you and they right. care about what you have to say and things of that sort. With these paid engagement groups, you grow an audience of a bunch of idiots who don't give a shit about you, who will never buy anything you produce. And at the end of the day, you have a big following number, but you're not making any money from it. And people, no one takes you seriously. So you're just producing content into thin air. So I know people who have like a million followers from these paid engagement groups who make a, a less than a tenth of what I make. And, you know, when they post a link, less than a tenth of people click that link. And their followers just don't care about them. You know, they're like a bunch of people who follow everybody, that type of account. So therefore, they don't care about, they're not fans of this person. They just like follow that account because they were being retweeted a lot. As right. opposed to you and me, we have people who care about our opinions. And they know that when we're saying something, it's because we have experience and we're speaking from experience, not paying other people to retweet us. So we've yeah. earned our audience in that way. So How is your growth been? Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm getting all these different followers coming in, but the growth is not really growing. And every now and then someone will DM me and be like, hey, Armani, I have your uh, notifications on, but I still don't see your tweets. Like, what gives? Now, my theory is that, you know, I'm not like a very controversial account. I'm more so like a soft skills account. But the reason that I'm pretty sure I'm shadow banned, and it's not just pretty sure, it's like, um, it's a pretty noticeable thing, especially if you're looking at the impressions, is because I don't use Twitter to just grow on Twitter. Like, that's not my perspective. My perspective is to build like a media empire. So I'm over here promoting my blogs, my books, my YouTube videos and such. And what it does is that Twitter doesn't like you taking traffic from their platform to someone else's platform. So even if you're not saying anything controversial, that is going to start a flagging, which I completely get. Like if I'm the owner of Twitter, I'm not going to like that either. If there's this guy that's over here driving traffic to another platform. So ever since that, you know, um, I've noticed that same thing with um, my Twitter account. Like impressions have definitely been lower. But the people that do see it, they're always purchasing. They'll be like buying one book, they'll watch one video, and they'll enter the Armani Talks universe. Uh, but I think the future, Harsh, is that you should never rely on one platform, especially Twitter. Like that's just too volatile. True. You know what's interesting is that Twitter literally does not want you to send traffic anywhere outside of Twitter. And that was confirmed for me when Elon Musk ran a poll. And his poll was that, should links to Instagram and other social media sites be banned on Twitter? And of course, people were like, they shouldn't be. But mm. the fact that the poll ran at all shows you that they don't want traffic to go away from Twitter. Right. And it does make sense from their perspective. 
not really because at the end of the day people are using these platforms not out of some loyalty to twitter but because they want to share things with their audience and their friends mm-hmm. and if they want to share other people's articles and you know other websites then that's what they want to share and as a social media platform you should not try to control what other people want to share yeah no i i see it from the perspective of the consumer where that's where twitter was clutch on because you could literally just post a link to your listing page and boom you're straight to the um listing page with instagram you remember the whole click in bio thing it's still there right you can't click links on instagram you have to say link in bio yeah but nowadays if you have a certain amount of followers like you can link straight yeah from straight from your story but man i used to run this instagram page for this one sports website uh it, it used to sell compression gear and i had a decent following there uh I, i was anon like so i wouldn't show my face or anything and it was such an annoying thing it's like clicking a uh, link in bio it's like man i really wished they would just let me link it in the actual post like that that's a difference in thousands of dollars of revenue true i don't get it i don't get why they do it facebook is really trash like this facebook you know instagram they own instagram now mm-hmm. like they they make it really hard for you to make money from your audience yeah like they they make it so hard that nowadays the only thing that works on instagram is reels so if you mm-hmm. were to make a text post with a link they won't show it to most people mm because from their perspective harsh like i do see what you're saying you're saying that it's a it's a sharing platform so people should be able to share whatever they want but from their perspective they're thinking of it more as a community it's like enter our universe stay in our universe don't leave okay because we get ad revenue from you guys staying on this platform so that's what i think they're operating with Yeah I've noticed that too these companies have become so big and they want to grow so much that they want every single thing you do to go through them for example google wants you to drive their self driving car you know the internet that you use should be by google fiber and you know any site you go through must you must find it through google.com and your email should be from gmail.com and wherever you're traveling you should use maps google maps and they want every single thing you do to be tied back to them in some or the other way right even facebook right now they're making a lot of other things they're making you know a metaverse so you they wanted to live on facebook yeah that's how they collect so your data it's getting to the point where <laughs> it's like you live for the companies instead of the companies existing for you yeah well that's why i really do think like business is going to shift within the next 2 to 4 years because what was online business really like in 2018 harsh when we both started our twitter accounts you could literally just grow your twitter audience and just link them to your gumroad page and that's a business right there but now it is it's still that way though it's still that way man but like a lot of people aren't seeing your links like they used to they're not seeing your tweets like they used to like you really got to expand in my opinion that's true you have to expand but if you can build a decent twitter following uh, you, all you need to do is just post links to a gumroad account and you're in business it's that easy it's yeah. gotten harder since 2018 of course but it's not hard it's not hard but do you think that's going to be sustainable for another 5 years i think so yes at least 5 years like i i know it's sustainable i think twitter is a platform now that it's acquired by elon musk 
that is going to keep improving over time. They're going to keep building new features and it's not going to be stagnant. So I think that eventually they'll figure out a lot of these niggles. Mm -hmm. And five years from now, we'll be making way more money than we are now. What's your thoughts been with Gumroad since our last conversation about it? The fee is way too high, man. It's just insanely high. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm kind of stuck in their ecosystem, right? Where I have thousands of affiliates using Gumroad and I can't just switch in a day. So for now I'm sticking to Gumroad. But their fee is so high that I might switch switch to a different platform in the future. I'm still looking for good candidates though. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make the switch out of the blue in a abrupt sudden way because Gumroad has its advantages. For example, people are used to taking out their card and putting it in Gumroad. So they don't feel scared to, you know, put their card information on Gumroad. But if it was some kind of new site like SendOwl or something that you've never heard of, then yeah, people might be scared to put their card info in. And at the end of the day, you lose sales. Right. So I need to spend some time, wait around a bit, let some other platforms get popular and then move. Then jump in. It's just annoying for you too because your listing pages have so much reviews as well. So you got to start over in that aspect as well. No, I think that any platform I go to because I make so much revenue there that I can just tell them, okay, I want you to port on my reviews also. Mm. Oh, actually, you could do that because you normally actually have connections with the actual CEO. Yeah, I, 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 my size is big enough that I can just contact the CEO and be like, okay, can you fix this for me i'm gonna i'm gonna use your company now so it kind of works well for me that way it, it's one of those things you know like after you grow a certain size mm -hmm. you can kind of i don't know what's the right word to use but collude with the system you, you have make influence it, yeah you have influence and you know you can make it harder to compete with you harder for others to compete with you mm -hmm. yeah so for example like if you're a big bank right you can go to the government and be like, regulate me harder, bitch, so that all these smaller <laughs> banks go out of business. <laughs> and then I'll be the only one left who can pay for all this regulation shit. Yeah. When's Life Math Money going to release that paperback? Next year, maybe. Not yeah. this year. This year, I'm too busy. Man, we should turn these all these episodes into like blog entries that we combine into a book. So someone rather, because I know some people don't like listening. So I wonder if they would like to read these episodes. You never know, like until you try it. That's definitely true. I think at some point in the future, we need to do it. But for now, I think we need some more audience on this, on these, what do you call it, podcasts to, for the idea to make sense. Yeah. Like we're not getting enough views on here to make the investment and the time and the energy it takes to you know, produce books. Oh yeah. That's something that like you definitely need to have a strategy for. You need a lot of mental bandwidth for. Yeah. It's a full-time job for somebody. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you were pretty sick recently. Um, are you feeling better or? Oh yeah. I'm much better. I went for my sister's wedding or cousin sisters. Mm -hmm. And when I came back, I was so sick. It was insane. I, I I don't know what I drank or ate there, but I had gotten infected. And all I was doing was just sitting in my bed for 10 days straight. And I lost two kilos. 
I was that sick. Whoa, you're throwing up a lot? I wasn't throwing up. I wasn't. But I remember I woke up at five o'clock and my heart was racing so much. I, you know, got that heart rate monitor thing. Mm-hmm. And my heart rate was like 125 at 5 a.m. in the morning after sleeping for six, seven hours. Damn. Yeah, that was insane. What happened, I had to... though? Like a virus, you said? Yeah, it's That's some like virus really or some bacterial infection. Right. But I took a full course of antibiotics and I am okay now. Was was it a big wedding? It was a big wedding. It, it was fun. I saw my cousin sister after many, many years. Mm-hmm. And she's grown up a lot. And yeah, the food was good. I met all my relatives there. Mm-hmm. And because this wedding was on my mom's side, right? So this was this had become like a mini political event in itself. Because there were so many politicians there. And, you know, when there's politicians, there's security people. And at some point, I was like, we have more security here than we have guests. How does that make sense? Were there protesters outside? No. I know, because sometimes, like, when politicians come, like, protesters hear about it, and they'll, like, flood the events. Like, why would they protest my sister's wedding? Like, thou shall not marry. Does anyone have any um, objections to the bride and the groom getting married? We do. <laughs> <laughs> no, so on my mom's side, there's a lot of politicians. My mom's side is very prolific politically. Mm-hmm. For example, my grandmother knew Indra Gandhi. And right now, in the current political party that is popular, my Mom side has contributed politicians to the you know the currently popular side and also to some other polit- smaller political parties. So my mom's side is very politically pro- prolific. My dad's side is more business oriented now. Yeah, but they were farmers, like they were completely dead broke. Right. Like when my mom married my dad, my dad had just finished his education. And his education was in his local language. And before that, he used to be a farmer. So he used to harvest crops and plant seeds and milk cows and things like that. And as a side gig, he used to repair bicycles. So that's what he used to do. And my mom's side, you know, my mom's father was this landowning guy who owned tens of millions of dollars worth of land across the country and knew a lot of politicians and many of his brothers are politicians and in power. So it was a... It was a different time, right? Like my mom married my dad as a, you know, my mom was this, is the eldest daughter of this guy who's rich and well-connected. My dad is a farmer who just finished education. So and it was a different a like, time. How does a couple like that even meet? Arranged marriage. Arranged marriage. Okay. So you don't have to go super in detail, but what's like the rough age gap between them? About eight, nine years, I think. Okay, that's what I hear a lot from like our parents' generation. Like they'll there'll be like a big age gap. Like my parents' age gap is twelve years, um, and I hear like eight to twelve range. Um, did your dad get married late or pretty early in his life? My dad got married a bit late because he was studying, right? Mm-hmm. So the reason this marriage actually happened was that my dad was educated. So back in those days, they didn't care much about, you know, is this guy's family as good as ours or are they as rich? They only cared about, okay, so is he from the same caste? If he is, then they can get married. And back in those days, it was pretty rare for men in India to be educated. Mm-hmm. So he was a bit of a rare find. And that's how this marriage happened. 
this marriage would not happen today like a rich guy who has political connections will not marry his daughter his eldest daughter to some guy who is a farmer who just finished his education that's not going to happen today but that is something that was not unheard of in the past well i'm pretty surprised it even happened back then because i would assume and you could correct me if i'm wrong that your mom's side of the family had other eligible bachelors what made them like leave that network for a brand new network i don't know to be honest mm-hmm. but i don't think they left the network right back in those days they didn't judge you as much by how much money you had like they do now but back in no, those days it, it was more cost i don't, more mean, it would, I don't mean it with money but it's like one is like a political atmosphere the other is like more so like a farming studying atmosphere it just seems like very different like from you to hop from here to here and vice versa oh no 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 it's not like that it's not like that they were not two different circles they were the same circle and that's what i'm telling you mm. like nowadays you would be it doesn't compute for us that they are the same circle but back in those days they were in the same caste that means the families already knew each other okay so so how important is caste nowadays it doesn't matter anymore like no what's the what's the lowest caste it's called like sutra or something so lowest people they don't have a caste according to that system mm-hmm. shudras is the lowest caste yes but there are people who don't have a caste and they're considered even worse than them can you marry a sudra shudra or is it like no nah, no nah, like harsh you can but you shouldn't is it like that i don't have a problem with it <laughs> 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 i need to convince my mom a bit <laughs> also you do have to convince like one of your parents at least uh i mean it's not a bit, it's not about convincing right but in india at least i come from a traditional family and they will want to like pick a, the girl for me or you know at least be in the process and because they're doing the picking they can only pick from the people they know which is a limited circle right it's like all the relatives all the relatives of the relatives etc etc mhm so to pick from outside your caste means kind of you have to ha- you have to have an arranged marriage you have to have a love marriage you know you have to meet the girl separately and marry by yourself right and kind of takes away that whole pleasure of your family to find a girl for you is there a pleasure so, in that cuz i heard i hear a lot of families don't like that like they would prefer yeah. the love marriage route no 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 people don't prefer the love marriage route at all okay oh, prefer the arranged marriage yeah they prefer the arranged marriage route by a lot because you can you get to pick the girl's family right you can her culture and make sure she thinks like you and things of that sort and you can kind of ensure that she's financially stable because what happens when you marry uh, say let's say that you fall in love with some broke chick and you marry her mm-hmm. well guess what when this chick get, becomes older her parents don't have any money you're going to give her, have to give her money right mm-hmm. you're going to have to support her parents which is going to be annoying for your parents because you know your wealth is going from your household to some other household so when your parents make the decision they consider things like these and you are not wise enough usually you know kids at 25 26 30 they're not wise enough to think so far into the future so people prefer an arranged marriage right i could i could see a case for that um do you guys have match or well, you mentioned something about matchmakers with shadi.com do you guys actually see the matchmakers like that would be a cool concept Yeah, you can see the matchmakers. You can go meet them if you like. Oh, okay, okay. What about you? Do you well, guys have arranged marriage? 
No, no, no. So we actually discussed this at the end of our last episode pretty briefly. And you made a good point. You're like, I don't know if you recall what you said, but you're like, I don't see it's vibrating again. Oh, I'm just drinking water. How about now? Okay, okay. Testing, testing. Okay, yeah, that, that was good. Um, You made a good point where you're like, arranged marriages here are going to be very difficult because there's not that shared understanding of different people's roles. It's just so like fluid here. And we don't have arranged marriages like that. We do have apps that are popping up where, dude, something really funny happened. So there was this, um, there was this one starting app here for like Daisies, right? And it was mm-hmm. on Alpha Model. And somehow they found me. They were just like, hey, uh, you look like a good alpha test um, for this particular app. And they start to explain how it works. And they give you a matchmaker, right? And I was like, nah, whatever, I'll give it a try. I had just gotten out of a relationship then. So um, for some reason, like my life got really busy and I stopped hitting up my matchmaker, okay? So two years goes on by. And one day I get a call from this really angry woman. She's like, is this Arman? I was like, yeah. He's like, this is your matchmaker. How come you haven't been answering my emails or returning my calls? I was like, who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> and now this app, bro, I, I, I just can't recall the name. Like if I search through my email, I'll find it. This app, which I was an alpha model on, is really popular here now. And like there's people that spend a lot of money to be on this app to get the matchmaker. I think it's like at least $50 to $150 per month. So... I'm over here getting it for free because I was in the alpha model and she's just like, I have this match that really wants to meet you or at least talk to you. And then she starts saying like, uh, and by the way, Armani, like I get paid for every call that I get. So can you please take the call? I was like, all right, lady, I'll take the call. So I'm taking the call and the girl seems like, yeah, whatever. Like she seems a little bland. We're talking. Um, and then bland is good, by the way. Yeah, no, well, not the good kind of bland. Like I like really bubbly girls that are easy to make laugh, but she's a little difficult to make laugh, which that's what I mean by bland. Um, basically, at one point in the conversation, she's just like, how much are you paying for the app? And that's when I tell her the story. I was like, so I was in the alpha class. So back then they were still testing the concept. They didn't know if this app was going to work. So I don't pay anything per month. Dude, when I said that, she is over here like, What? I'm paying $150. This isn't fair. And she's over here getting like so weird about it. And she's making the entire conversation about like how she has to pay and I don't have to pay. And she's like, well, we should tell the matchmaker that, uh, you know, you're not paying. I was like, it's not a big deal. I haven't used <laughs> this. Are going to rat me out? <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is, this not, is not going well. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is not a chick that I want to talk to again. She just seems very, like that's not the behavior that I like. Uh, so, so th- that was just a funny story that I just recalled. Um, so to answer your question, there is a matchmaker e- a matchmaking app here now, and it's pretty expensive. Man, one fifty bucks is not expensive for this. Like, no, no, I, pay a lot like, of money to matchmakers. I'm guessing. I, I mean, like, I, I'm literally just pulling out a number, but it's a decent amount. Where, like, if you have like rent, food, all, all these other costs, like, I forgot the exact amount, but it, it's not cheap. Is definitely not cheap. Anything that that's related to a wedding is never cheap. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things, right, where they've made it a big thing, and now for everything in a wedding, you have to spend a lot of money. Yeah, 
So this is actually where I was like revisiting one of the topics we were talking about in last episode, where you were making the case for like, you know, don't have a small wedding because you're just going to piss off so many people. And afterwards, I thought about it and I was like, I think that advice is good, but I think that's more India centric advice. Where in the West, I think it would be much wiser to have small weddings. And here's why. So over in India, like where are most of the weddings happening? It's in India, right? Or are you guys like going all over, like taking planes to different areas? It's happening in India, but people have to take planes to go to where the wedding is. Okay, well, here, dude, it's like you're taking planes a lot of times because someone will have a wedding in California, someone else in Texas, someone in New York, someone in Florida. So just think about this. Like, think about the price for the following. Imagine you're going from Florida to California for a round trip there and how much does it cost how much does it no no that's what i want you to guess i'm going to give you like some of the things that you have to pay and i want you to guess a rough estimate okay how far is california to florida really far it's like once like on the southeast the other one's like straight up in the west how many hours does it take man bro you don't yet i don't know let me check i'm glad you're asking me these questions now um Roughly five to six hours. Okay, so okay, if don't don't don't, don't, don't answer it all yet. Like, just keep a mental note of this. So, a round trip, okay, that's what you're okay. paying for. Then there's hotel costs, okay. okay. Then there's um, transportation, Uber, Lyft. Then there's food costs. Uh, then there's um, extracurricular activities, like let's say the bride and the groom, they're taking a few of their closest friends to a club. You have to pay entrance fee and such extracurricular. Then there's a gift cost. Like you have to spend money on a gift. Then let's say you're taking a plus one. Okay. You have to pay some money for them. Roughly. How much do you think that's going to cost? $1,600. Okay. $1,600. That's actually a very good guess. And that's pretty accurate. Now imagine like this is a slap on the face. You spend all that money, and once you're back, a lot of the bride and the groom are going to be like, you didn't come to our wedding. And you're going to be like, what? I was at your wedding. But here's the thing. These weddings are so freaking big that the bride and the groom are getting like so much sensory information that they really don't recall. Yeah, who they don't, they don't remember this. Yeah. So it's a slap on the face, like $1,600 spent. Now, imagine you go to four weddings for the year. That's roughly $6,400 just going to weddings for you not to be remembered. So it's like nowadays, bro, it's like if you're going to invite someone to your wedding, it's like a lot of people are like, make sure that we're really cool uh, because here's an elephant in the room. A lot of these weddings that you're spending $1,600 to $6,400 on are going to end in divorce. It's like, oh man, man, like bro, last year, I know this guy, <laughs> oh, no, I know this a girl, excuse me, who's like this hardcore like wedding addict. Like she goes to every single wedding out there. She went to 11 weddings last year and seven of them ended in divorce. And it's well, like, remind me not to invite this trick to my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're sick, bad luck. Um, no, but that's what I'm trying to say. I'm like, I think it's much smarter to have small weddings or it makes more sense, especially for the Western culture. That's why I've been seeing this trajectory more and more lately. Like the 500 people weddings are being weeded out more for like the 50 to 75 ranged weddings. 
I can see what you're saying, but the reasoning you give is why you shouldn't attend a wedding. You haven't given the reason for why you should have a small wedding. No, I, I, I sort of did. Like, if you pay attention to like all the context, where it's like, if you don't even remember certain people that's coming to your wedding, it's like, what are you really doing? Like, can you the logically explain? Isn't yeah. that you remember it? The thing is that people will hold it against you if you don't invite them. So you have to invite people. For example, let's say that I'm getting married and I don't invite you after speaking with you for 168 hours. You're going to be like, what the fuck? I don't even get invited to Harsh's wedding. So I don't think you have to invite everyone, bro. I think there's like for a lot of people, there's like the sigh of relief. Like, oh, thank God, bro. Like, I don't know how to say no. I mean, you don't have to come, but I have to still invite you. Yeah. You know, I get it for that, bro. But like, imagine like, how can I give you a good example? Um, Imagine like someone that like you're, best friend in college that you haven't talked to in five years like are you inviting someone like that i don't think so no here like you're expected to invite people <coughs> like that too no see that's bullshit right because right. you haven't spoken to them in five years but okay i see what you're saying I, I see what you're saying i think in your countries it just becomes too expensive per person right how much does a meal a wedding meal cost per person in your country it's like 100 200 bucks sometimes correct yeah but in India, that's this is not how it's done. In India, you have like a caterer who kind of makes a lot of food at once and a per person meal might cost as little as $10 or $20 right. or whatever. So it's much cheaper. And people are not... Well, there's economies of scale and people give you some money here and there. You know, if you're like, if you're not, if you can't afford it, then there are ceremonies where people are expected to give you gifts to help you out with the wedding cost. So you're supposed to invite a lot of people and you're supposed to invite everybody in your family and the guy or the other girl, they invite everybody in their family. And as the bride and groom, you invite maybe 10 people out of the mm -hmm. thousand people that come to the wedding or 500 people who come to the wedding, you know, 10 people, that's it. The rest of them are distant relatives, the children of distant relatives, the husbands and wives of distant relatives, etc., etc. Do you get yeah, me? I do get you. And I, what you're mentioning, I just want to like remind you and the listeners that that's actually what traditionally happens here now too. It's just, bro, in the last five years, I've noticed this trend where the weddings are getting more and more like smaller. So what you're explaining is like the norm here i do want to emphasize that point it's just that like lately i was thinking about it like why is it getting why are these weddings getting more atomized and i was like okay well that's probably the reason like the cost and like the elephant in the room which is the divorce rates the money part i think is a big reason right money is becoming scarcer now now that you see the economy is not doing so well mm -hmm. and everything is becoming pricier like have you noticed the price of food increasing I have. How much would you spend on groceries back in 2020? Do you remember? Like before COVID? Ah, oh, man. Like, I don't know, like 35, 40 bucks. How much do you spend now? Well, I'm not the best person to ask right now because I do OMAD uh, one meal a day. So it's actually like roughly the same. But for most Saving people... Saving money. <laughs> yeah, for Armando broke, you only eat once a day. <laughs> no, it's actually, uh, it's such a good thing for decision making. Like you remember how Steve Jobs used to wear the same clothes every day? And cool. he just like, yeah, he just, bro, you have so much more energy. Well, I do at least. Um, Cause when I eat, like I get that brain fog right after I eat. 
Um, but when I am saving my meal for the end of the day, I'm just working much harder in the activities throughout the day. Cause I'm like, at least I know I'm going to rest. Plus I'm going to eat at the end of the day. So you should try it out, man. Oh, mad. Well, it's hard for you to try it out. Cause you live with your parents. They're probably like harsh babu cow cow. Why are you starving yourself? Try it, bro. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's good, man. I've actually tried the whole concept of eating only one meal a day. This was many years ago, like 10 years ago. And back when I was 17 years old and I fainted. So I haven't tried it again. One meal a day? Yeah, I was eating one meal a day. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to, you know, eat mostly fat and protein, which is very hard to do on a vegetarian diet. But I ended up fainting and my doctor said, don't do that again. So I've kind of just stuck to two or three meals a day. I think it really depends on your body type where I heard like this advice is very bad for women because the hormonal stuff is different. So they shouldn't try it. And I believe for guys like you as well, because there's some blood work, et cetera. So it really comes down to how well you know your body where I've tried the whole three to five meals a day, bro. And it's just like the whole process of eating too. It's kind of like, it's just like little distractors, like you heating up your food, eating, probably turning on a show, watching like stuff like it could go up to like, and then after you're done eating, it's just like, oh man, let me chill for a little bit. It just kills the momentum versus man. when you're like, I'm going to eat at the end of the day. It's like, boom, like you have like so much real estate saved for, for like, what am I going to eat now? Or when am I going to eat it? How long do I have to heat it up, et cetera? Man, that is not how it works here. Okay, I don't have to turn on. I do not have to turn on the stove or do anything. I just do my wait. work, and my cook will bring the food to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's already gonna be warm and it's gonna be in the plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Omar, Omar definitely wouldn't work for you. But if um, I if I had to cook my food myself, I would definitely eat one meal a day, maybe one meal every two days. Well, even if you meal prep all of that stuff, man, it's just. It's not even that. Like, that's not even the biggest part. I just feel tired after I eat. What exactly are you eating? Um, It could be whatever, bro. It could be like just chicken, rice, broccoli. Um, just like, like, that's why for these episodes, dude, I, I can't eat. Like, if I eat, like, I'm just going to be yawning away and just not feeling good. Wait, so you have one meal a day. I do have chicken, rice, broccoli. So how many calories are you actually consuming? Because that's not even a thousand. No, no, no. So that's what I'm talking about. Like when I was doing the three to five meals nowadays, I'll eat like, um, it really depends. Like I could eat like a big pasta meal with like chicken packed in broccoli. Um, I'm not that strict with my diet. So sometimes I'll like actually eat out, um, subway, um, overall, like I've done the calculations. It comes out to like 2,300 calories. You eat 2,300 calories in one meal. That's insane. Yeah. Bro, you remember, man, I used to be into the whole professional eating thing, man. Still, though, man, <laughs> 2,300 calories in one meal is very hard to eat. For me, well, I, I, I struggle but, to eat more than 800 calories in a meal. But imagine if you've been, like, hungry the entire day. Now you just, like, like just gets absorbed. If I'm eating things like bread, then maybe I can make it. Or if I'm drinking calories, then I could do it. But... Still a lot of food though, especially for a single meal. That's yeah, a whole no, lot. It is. Do, do you go to buffets ever? I do. I do. Buffets, you could go up to twenty three hundred 
by accident. Yeah, but that's because of the oil, right? Not because of the food. Right. That that's true. I mean, if you have a buffet that's without that's not using a lot of oil, then it's really hard. So if you have a lot of rice, you're full and you're eating like 400 calories. Yeah, but if you get this is where it's difficult to compare because you're vegetarian, but if you're getting like a steak or like a fatty steak, that could that could add up in calories. How many calories does a fatty steak have? It could have like 1600. Whoa, okay, like whoa. For a big for for a big one, yeah. That's a lot of calories. That's a lot of calories. Some um, some people here are doing the whole carnivore diet where you just eat red meat, I believe. I don't know if you eat anything else and you could get a lot of calories like that. Yeah, I've heard it's very good for your health, right? Where it cures your autoimmune diseases and everything. Yeah, like, there was a there was a gentleman Jordan was, Peterson's daughter kind of was doing it. Yeah, like the last episode where I brought up the whole ball spot thing. There was a gentleman who um DM'd me and talked about the um like the red meat thing. Are you eating red meat every day? I was doing it for a while. Uh, the, the the biggest difference f- with me is that like I still need the carbs where with the carnivore diet you don't get the carbs. I think with us South Asians, right? We're kind of adapted to carbs. Our ancestors used to be farmers for a long time and our bodies needed. Mm. Even when I'm fat adapted, my body is still like get carbs, get carbs, get carbs. Right. And it becomes really hard to actually eat anything without carbs if you live in India because all the food that's good has carbs in it. Right. The steak like sometimes I'll get like a steak that has like 2100 calories just by the steak. No oil or well, anything included. Yeah. So what do you typically eat throughout the day? So for my breakfast, I'll have like six eggs. Mhm. For lunch, I'll have some whey protein. And for dinner, I'll have paneer ke parathas usually or some paneer ki sabzi or roti. Paneer is like cottage cheese, so I have low fat cottage cheese. Mhm. And I'll have it with either I'll have it with peas and roti or I'll have it turned into parathas. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, I love it. It's like that. stuffed bread. Mhm. So, I love that shit. Now, I can't get enough of paneer parathas and I'll have it with dahi. You know what dahi is? Curd. Like the, yeah, yeah, we call it doi. Yeah, uh dahi. Yeah. It's like yogurt but it's not sweetened. Mhm. So that's also pretty high in protein. It's, So that's typically what I eat. I eat the same stuff usually. And every once in a while I'll also have some rice and dal and things like that just for variety. Mm. Usually on training days I'll eat more carbs. I'll add things like I'll have some dates. But on non-training days I try to keep my meals sparse. So I'm trying to lose fat right now. I have some more kilos to lose and then I'll bulk again. You know it's pretty crazy. I've lost so much fat. I think in the last year Last year I used to be 100 kilos. And now I'm at 83. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah, I've lost a lot of fat now. I I kind of went overboard with the bulk I did with starting strength. So I went from like 76 to 100 in like a year. And I didn't gain as much commensurate strength, so I kind of fucked up. But now I'm losing it back. And now when I went to this wedding, these people had seen me before at 100 kilos. and now i'm at 83 so they were like whoa okay you look completely different what have you been doing mm-hmm. and they don't buy it when you say i've just been eating less they don't get it like they, it doesn't compute for them 
Right. They're like, you must be doing something. Are you drinking green tea? <laughs> I don't have money for <laughs> that stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not wasting money on green tea. <laughs> Some people think like that, man. Like they don't understand that it's like an entire process. They think there's like that magic pill. Man, I'll tell you what. If anyone here wants to lose weight, the simplest thing you can do is this. Okay, figure out what your maintenance calories are and eat 500 calories less than that. It's really that simple. And if you want to lose even more weight, increase your activity levels. So get a smartwatch and walk 10,000 steps a day. That's like three, four hundred calories burned, and that will increase your fat loss rate by one and a half kilos a month. Mm. I mean, it's it's really that simple. Just track your calories and eat much lower than maintenance. And how long have you been doing this for? I've been doing it for a year now. Okay, then you definitely activated the flywheel. Are you someone like when you eat now, like you immediately get hungry? When I eat, I get hungry. What do you mean? Like when your metabolism is really sped up, like during the cutting thing, it's like you'll eat like a decent sized meal. And automatically you're hungry again. It's like no, no, no. That's not happening to me. That's not like that with you. Okay. Are you for me? Ad- it's more like I have to, I have to force myself to eat at this point. I've become adapted to the low food volume. Mm-hmm. That I have to, I have to struggle to finish my meals. Mm-hmm. And I can't throw the meal away because I need to get the protein in, or I lose muscle. So I'm still forcing myself to eat. You have abs. I have an app called Healthify Me. That's where I track no, my calories like at. Abs, abdominal oh, muscles. Oh, abs! Mm-hmm. I need to lose like five more kilos, I think, to get them. But I th- like, didn't you have like a very like negative view of abs, where you're like, that's not a like a good thing to strive for. It's not a good thing to strive for at all. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm cutting, I want to finish the cut. I want to do it properly. Go down to ten percent body fat. Right. Maybe I need to get down to 75. I might need to lose more weight. I don't know. I don't know. Like I, right now I have a flat stomach, but I don't have abs. So I think that cutting five to six to maybe eight kilos, I should have them. Are there people that like every now and then come up to you and they're like, what? Like you don't work out anymore? Like you got so skinny. Like do they ever say that? It happened to me before when I did my last cut a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely going to happen, right? Because now when I wear my shirt, I don't look as big as I used to. Right. So if I wear like a t-shirt, then you can at least see my arms and they're muscular. Mm-hmm. But if you wear a full shirt, then you can't really see any muscle, right? Like it's all covered by the coat and the shirt and whatever you're wearing. Right. It's like you look better, but like then there's like some judgmental voices that come every now and then. They're like, what happened? Like you stopped working out and you want to be like, man, now, nah, man, I actually look better. Come to the bathroom. Let me take my shirt off so you can see. <laughs> <laughs> Women <laughs> <But> only. <laughs> you don't really want to do that, but it just kind of sometimes just like they try to plant that doubt in your mind, not by malice or anything. It's just something that happens. They're just like, wait a minute, he used to be so filled up in that shirt. What now? And it's like, I still have a good body, but it's in a different way now. You know, it's one of those things, right? Where when you're trying to bulk, you're always looking at yourself and being like, oh, hey, I'm not, I'm not big enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not big enough. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to cut, you're like, hey, I'm not small enough. I'm not small enough. I'm still too fat, still too fat. Right. So you're never really happy with how you look. Yeah, like you're never happy. And 
other people always like if you're like very bulky for example every now and then someone will be like hey man i see you with those man boobs and you're like well, what what and then you're over here trying to <laughs> it, it's like whether you're bulking or cutting there's going to be like some people that love it and then there's going to be some people that are like what happened yeah so at the end of the day right you have to do it for yourself because other people are going to say bullshit especially unfit people they have no idea what they're talking about and they've seen too many movies and their their judgment of what is a good body is completely messed up so there are people who think that you can have abs and be at like 9 8 7% body fat all year round and they consider that to be a good body they don't realize that that's an extremely unhealthy person that's not a good body at all Mm-hmm. that's a guy who starved himself to the point where you can literally see his spleen and right. he's only there for like a small amount of time for a competition or something but no one can naturally be that lean for an extended amount of time and it's not a pleasant experience but people have watched too many movies and they have zero understanding of what a healthy body looks like yeah it's like you remember one time you said like you don't need that much money to be happy and you were talking about like uh, there's like certain basic costs you need and then like anything on top of that is an ad it's sort of like that with body as well where like you don't have to be like this out of world figure to have like a nice physique my thing is like do you look aesthetically pleasing and are you healthy like can you actually like do something without just going huffing and puffing away you know Yeah I know what you mean I I agree with you there I think that most people like you don't need to have insane amounts of strength right you don't you don't use all that strength in your life ever but right. you still need to be reasonably fit and you need your VO2 max needs to be good and you need to have good stamina because that's the kind of stuff that that's going to impact your longevity and it's going to impact how much you can fight diseases if you ever get sick and things like things of that sort you know how clear your thinking is So if you even if you're if you can say bench press 180 kilos but you're like at 40% body fat mm-hmm. it kind of sucks to be at 40% body fat like your brain is slower and you have a lot of other health issues your blood pressure is rising so it's not all about being in extreme bodybuilder shape there's a lot of things that impact you more than just how thin you are right and people they've just they have no idea what they're talking about right they've just watched too many movies they've seen too many people like the rock who mm. is not natural and they kind of think that's a fit body like they think that's achievable naturally when it's not like it's it's not possible right man the rock bro there was actually a period where you know he was transitioning from being a wrestling star to a movie star and there were different movies he was doing like some required him to be really big but he realized that he wanted to be like this box office movie star and for him to do that like he needed to he couldn't be that big like he needed to make some children's films as well so that's when he like just got a little bit smaller and like in compared to us like he's still like a huge guy but now he's going to these different talk shows and people are asking him like what happened rock you're so skinny now it's like there was actually a period where that happened and that's when i think after being harassed with those flurry of questions like he got super big and he's never looked back since like he is huge now how much does he weigh the rock man let me check 
Just 260 pounds. Whoa, that's huge. That's insane. How yeah. much is that in non-return? Two kilograms. Let me see. One hundred seventeen kilograms. Oh, that's a lot of weight. That's huge. Yeah. So, I mean, you gotta really a big part of building your ideal physique is also um, it's very holistic in nature. Like you gotta understand the lifestyle you're trying to live. You gotta know yourself very well. You gotta see what's doable. So, I mean, it it really like depends. Yeah, it's one of those things where you have to figure out what works for you, right? Right. For example, if you have like an eight-hour corporate job and you have kids and you have a wife, mm-hmm. you can't be going to the gym for three hours a day. It's just not possible. So maybe for you, you you can do like a short workout one hour a day, and you know have a good, decent-looking physique, and that's it. If you're a teenager at sixteen years of age, you can dedicate a lot more time to the gym and fitness. So yeah. it really depends on who you are, where you are in your life, and what your goals are. Like if you're 60 years old, I would not recommend you do things like deadlifting. I mean, I would not not recommend it, but it's something that you might want to avoid, given the you know depending on how strong your back is and how prone you are to injuries. So at some point, after a certain age, everybody has to prioritize longevity and not size. Unless you're on steroids. Yeah, that's true. And I think what's really underrated are those workout programs where they literally tell you what to do. And nowadays, these programs are getting shorter and shorter. It's like T20. Like you could get a workout in in 20 minutes. And it's like, if you just follow the plan, you're going to get results. P90X, super underrated. See, P90X, man, like it's so underrated, but it just like showed me that like you really need the right brand ambassadors like this is why i'm very hesitant in believing someone who's like well that the the thing was a scam it didn't work for me it's like i gotta really see you like anyone can have an opinion but it's like did you really put in the work because with p90x like um this was before like facebook marketing and all of that stuff um this was more so like mass video marketing so at the end of the night harsh a lot of TV stations would stop airing their regular programs and they start doing the infomercials. And that's how P90X did its marketing routine. So it started to go like super wide. And it's like um, some people tried it for like two, three days. It didn't work for them. And they're just like P90X is a scam. But once you really try it, 90 days, go all in, do exactly what Tony Horton tells you to do. You will get a nice physique. I think that's because getting a nice physique is not complicated. I mean, you have to eat less food to lose all the fat that's kind of hiding your existing physique. Right. And you need to train to get some extra muscle. So it's a simple thing to do. Well, it's not that simple because the thing is, some people think it's like, oh, look look how nice I am. You tell them to touch their toes. They're like, I can't do that. You tell them to run. They can't do that. Uh, They're not flexible. So it's like, depends how you're talking about health. Like, are you like athletic? That's how I see you as healthy or not. Like, can you like, are you explosive? Like, can you, or are you just a big muscular guy? And that's where P90X comes in because it has like these, it includes yoga, for example. And I'm thinking like yoga, that's like, that's going to be the easiest workout. 
No, it no, it's not. It it's builds not your core. Bro, it's so freaking hard, but it makes you so balanced. So hypothetically, let's say someone pushes you, it's you're very hard to move now. Where a lot of these guys, they could bench press 275 pounds. You push them, and they're like, whoa, <laughs> like they're over here falling and stuff. I'm like, dude, you're not like healthy as you look. Just because you look healthy doesn't mean that you are. And P90X, it works out these muscles that you didn't even know existed. There's like red muscles, white muscles, whatever. They have like a scientific program that takes the guesswork out of it. So you're just showing up, executing, and that's it. Hmm. I don't know. I've never tried P90X. I think for most people, I would just recommend starting strength. But what is that? It's a book? It's a book. It's a program, yes. Just don't follow the guy's nutrition advice. It's bullshit. Nah, man, I, I don't know what the book or like the book thing is good. But like when you see like someone like they're literally doing all the movements and you're just like following, like you can see it with your eyes. I prefer that way better. See, all I can say is I did starting strength and it tripled my squat. So I went from squatting 40 kilos to 120 kilos. But what does that mean, though? Like, it's like that's cool. But it's like, how is that practically benefiting you? So you 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 could squat more. I'm now. stronger, healthier. I can do more work. You could, you could lift when the I hike, too. <laughs> when I hike, it's much easier to climb the mountain. I can carry more weight up a mountain. And overall, for example, before, earlier, right when I was when I would hike, I would need more breaks. Now I need far fewer breaks. So nice. it's much better to be stronger than it is to be weaker. And I know what you mean about the whole flexibility thing, but all of that stuff is not that hard to get. Like, all you have to do is touch your toes and you know do a stretching routine and things like not that. Not just flexibility though, like flexibility while having strength. Like, can you? I would respect you if you could do a pull up more than if you could do a lat pull down, because with pull ups, I can do a pull up. Yeah, I think no, no, I think... not just you. I'm just talking about in general. Like when you can do like those primal workouts, you work more muscles that you didn't even know were like a part of you. Like even a push-up, like some guys can't do push-ups. See, I'll tell you what, okay. If you are lifting heavy weights and you're pushing, say, if you can bench press a lot of weight, you can do mm-hmm. push-ups, right? Because it's the same movement. And things like deadlifts and squats and bench pressing and overhead pressing and chin-ups, the, the things that are in the starting strength program, essentially train your entire body. And there's no muscle that's left untrained. For example, if you think you're not training calves, like try cutting your calf off and doing a squat. It's not possible. Like you are using your calf to do your squat. Right. It's not possible for you to do a squat if you if I slash your calf off. Like if I take a knife and I'm like chang and cut your calf, you can't squat. Right. So <laughs> you're, you're training your calves while squatting. So you're training everything. Yeah. And I know what you mean about the whole flexibility thing. I did lose some flexibility, but... Well, well, I'm not... Like, you're framing it as I'm only talking about flexibility. I'm talking about that along with... Like, you have to be strong. Don't get... Like, I'm not denying that at all. But I believe you should be strong and flexible. That's when you have, like, a very holistic body. But But if you're one of those guys... Yeah, if you're one of those guys... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. But sorry. Just to, to, like, say something before you say what you're going to say. I lost... Almost all of my flexibility because I wasn't doing any stretching and I regained it back in like two weeks. So flexibility is something you can get very, very easily. It's not hard at all. Like you just need to have like a routine. Okay, I'm gonna touch my toes. I'm gonna have my you know family push me down so I can touch my toes. 
and you, it's gonna hurt like a bitch for a while but in yeah. 10 eight days your muscles have stretched enough you can do a split or whatever but can you play sports though like to really see how athletic someone is well this is where i think different worldviews come in because i don't know if you're like much of a sports guy but i think like if you're like like this big dude and like you can't even like play like a pickup game or any kind of sports without like just running out of breath and everything it's like your cardio is not on point like you're over here getting cramps left and right like you touching your toes that does not mean you're flexible that's just like one part but it's like being flexible is a holistic thing this is why i really recommend people to try yoga because a lot of people are like well i'm flexible i could touch my toes and you have them doing like one of those like warrior poses they're tripping left and right so they're yeah, not because they're not used right. to doing it yeah talk about that no but even if you give them like two weeks they're over here just like they can't do it but they you have to like treat it like a system just like working out see i'll you tell you what, what? I, i see what you're saying what here's my counter argument to that i think strength is separate from applications of strength so when you're training when you're strength training jo- your job is just to build raw strength and your application of strength will come from whatever you do for example if you're a boxer right Mm-hmm. All you have to do is continue your boxing and your strength will transfer over to your boxing. So your bench pressing and squatting and everything will improve this your strength in your boxing thing. And you don't need to do specific conditioning stuff per se if you are already doing activities that involve it. For example, I don't need to specifically train for hiking. I can just keep hiking and keep working on my strength and it will automatically transfer over to my hiking activities. So I don't think that you need to specifically do yoga or specifically do something to be more athletic. I think if you are doing athletic things, your body will be athletic and your strength increases will make you more efficient and stronger in those athletic activities. For example, let's say that you're a swimmer, Arman. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Will you swim better if you're stronger or would you swim better if you're weaker? I don't know. I mean if you're stronger you'll be able to push more water and you'll be able to go ahead faster right right so oh, i thought you meant I mean, like bulky or lean i would say yeah, lean I mean, but i i see what it's you're a little complex yeah but yeah. you're right you're right about the whole bulking and lean thing but what i mean to say is that you are generally going to swim faster if you're stronger right but you don't need to specifically train some other thing to be able to swim faster you don't need to be like i'm going to do yoga so i can swim faster all you need to do is keep swimming every day and you know increase your strength and it's going to naturally transport over so if you want my opinion for this i think you just need to focus on strength and do the activities that you want to do and the transfer of this thing the strength and whatever you're gaining for your physical body will happen automatically for example i didn't train for hiking like i just kept hiking and right, because right. i was stronger it was easier i agree with you there i i think like like when we used to play basketball like I, i used to like play basketball in high school a lot we didn't have to do like what you're saying like these individual workouts too much holistically you're going to learn how to like run uh, how to box out you're going to naturally build a certain basketball physique there are certain workouts you have to do but you don't have to like sp- specify them too much it's going to holistically get worked out what i'm more so talking about are the actual workout programs where certain people like their like traditional idea of working out is like literally going to the gym and just um doing cardio not doing cardio but like well that is for a certain group but another group is like they just do the machines then they leave 
The reason I prefer things like P90X is like, let's say you're not one of these like basketball players, football players, et cetera. You're just this average person that, you know, has a job and you're just looking for some guidance. The thing I like with P90X is that it incorporates a holistic package where you're not just lifting and that's it. You're lifting, you're practicing explosive workouts, you're practicing yoga. So by the time the 90 days are up, your body's more holistic versus the person that's just just doing like lat pull downs, bicep curls and such. So I think being a holistic body, not only are you going to get the like nice looks out of it, but you feel better. You see what I'm saying? No, I disagree. I don't think so. I, I think that when you lift weights, you end up with a holistic body too. Unless you were like just doing like one thing over and over again and not really working on yourself. But if you are getting stronger, the weights are going up. You can squat more, bench more, deadlift more. And, you know, assuming you're also doing some cardio to keep your heart healthy, you have a holistic body. You think these guys could also like play a pickup game? What's a pickup game? Like any, do you think these guys are also capable of playing sports and fighting? Like a lot of these big guys are big, but they can't fight. Yeah, they're like capable they're, of fighting if they learn how to fight. Yeah, like you have to, I think we're approaching this from different angles, but I, I see what you're saying. I, I think like if you want a nice physique, like do what Harsh is saying. But my thing is more so about like, if you want like that 4D body, not just like, you know, you're big, like you're strong too, but like, if capable, are you capable of fighting? Like, do you have the white twitch muscles, the red twitch? Are you fast, quick? No, but the thing is, Arman, any active, all the twitch muscle stuff, right? It It's all activity specific. For example, you could be a really, really good boxer. Like mm -hmm. you could be, you could have really good twitch muscles for boxing, right? Because you've been training to box. But let's say you suddenly change activities. Suddenly, let's say you're doing something like swimming. You're going to mm -hmm. be sore and it's going to be hard. If you suddenly switch to dancing, you're not going to be graceful in one day. Like you have to develop those things separately. So it's a process again. And if you start dancing a lot, then you kind of lose capability in other places. So I would say that it kind of makes more sense, at least from my perspective, to just increase strength in the gym because that's what the gym is for. And to do whatever activities you're doing and to learn them separately. Because at the end of the day, let's say that you're doing everything at once. You're doing yoga and you're doing, you know, I don't know what P90X has, but let's say weight training and swimming and other other things. You're not proficient at anything then. Mm, well, that's why I think you actually got to like check out P90X before like offering the opinion because it's yeah, one of those sense. things. Because I think you're thinking like you're doing all these stuff at once and it's just like you're like swarmed. But it's like it's a plan where you're like doing upper body like it's very similar to what you're talking about, but just different workouts. So it's like if you're going up to the average person, you're like, I'm doing bicep curls, like uh, squats, chest and all of that. For you, it's not that much. It's just like, well, I, uh, you know, I split it up appropriately. But for someone who's never tried it, they're like, you're doing all of that. And it's like, bro, it's not that big of a deal. It's very similar with P90X, where if you haven't tried it, it seems like, whoa, like that's so much. But once you've tried it, you're like, wait a minute. That's actually like 20 minutes a day, like the whole plan for 90 days. That's actually very reasonable. So. Oh, it's just 20 minutes a day. Okay. That's not bad. Bro, when I started it, it used to be an hour a day. But nowadays, like they really understand their market. 
which is like it's for guys like th that are what you were mentioning like they have kids they have work and all of that they can't dedicate an hour a day um they can but it's just like in a practical sense if you just say 20 minutes a day to show up can you do that they're like well i could do 20 minutes a day and you're just telling me i have to just follow this then boom like now your like sex life is improving you can run if need be you could fight um let me ask you something um when you were beginning your journey with lifting like did you have a coach or did you uh like how did the education process go like because it, it requires a lot of like educating right so for the first couple of years right i really fucked up a lot because i was eating way too little protein i i didn't know much about all of this stuff and i did mm -hmm. some research but this was b before back in the days where i could have whey protein so this was pre-whey protein on a vegetarian diet so i was eating like 50 40 grams of protein a day so i didn't make as many gains as i would have if i was eating say chicken or you know eating like 150 200 grams of protein but right. i did have a trainer who was very helpful but I was mostly training on machines, right? It wasn't a paid trainer. It was just a guy who used to train people who was friends with me. So he would like also tell me, okay, do this, do that. This was back when I was 16 years old. So I didn't have any money either. Mm. So you started and, pretty early. Yeah, I started early. But because I was also doing my chartered accountancy course, my CA, it was all on and off. So I would train for a year, then take a year off from my exams and train for a year, then take a year off, take, train a year, train a, take a year off. And it was very haphazard, but I did gain a decent amount of muscle back in those years. I remember initially I would do those chest press on that machine and every single workout, I would go up by five, two and a half kilos or something like that, simply no. because I was getting stronger so fast. Right. Like I remember starting at 15 and ending that thing at like 55 or something. Oh, whoa. Was this also around like the skin condition? Yeah, this was around the skin condition. That was a big fuck up in my life. I had to like take a lot of time off the gym. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like gave me gyno. So that was not good. Right. Did you have like, did you ever have a gym buddy? Or you pretty much had a trainer or you'd go by yourself? I would go by myself. I did not have a gym buddy. And uh, this was back in those days where I just had a lot of time in my life. Right, It was... 11th high school time 11th grade and i would just go whenever i felt like it and i would spend like four three four hours in the gym out of which only one hour was spent training <laughs> the rest was just chatting so with everybody <laughs> <laughs> when you were um initially going through the working out phase were you by any chance going through like an awkward stage in your life or were you like a pretty cool normal guy back then so I was not a cool, normal guy. I got bullied a lot in school. And oh, you did? Yeah, back in 10th grade. And I kind of had finished 10th grade. before. I started my gym journey in 11th grade. So this was after 10th grade, after I had changed to junior college. And life in junior college was so much better, right? No one was bullying me. And I was like, I was a pretty cool kid in junior college. And my mother kind of encouraged me to go to the gym. So I went mm. to the gym. And in three, four months, I was looking so much better that everyone was shocked. I remember coming from the midterm break and people were like, whoa, okay, are you the same person? <laughs> like you look completely different. Your posture is better and more muscular. It's, you know, you've noticed this too, right? When you first start to work out, you gain muscle so fast. Yeah. It's like your body's like, boom, 
कि हम 10 किलोस ऑफ मसल वर यू लाइक स्टार्टिंग द जिम फैट और वेरी स्किनी आई वाज स्टार्टिंग वेरी स्किनी आई वाज वाज सो स्किनी इट वाज इनसेन इज दैट व्हाई यू वर गेटिंग बुलीड और बुलीड फॉर अदर रीजंस आई वाज जस्ट बीइंग बुलीड फॉर बीइंग पुअर ओह really i was not yeah i mean like my family is not super educated right they I mean they are but in their local language so i didn't know any english mm-hmm. and uh, yeah i was just poor so you know being poor means things like your dress and everything is not like as new as other people's and your shoes are not as new as everybody and your bag is not as expensive and you kind of get bullied for that but everybody gets bullied for something or the other you know kids that age right they'll find something if yeah. if if you don't if you're not poor then they'll bully you for being too rich they'll find something oh so, yeah man especially that range like the 10th grade range 9 to 10th grade a lot of people get bullied then a lot of people get bullied i think it's a factor of insecurity and there's another is a very good article by this guy called paul graham called why nerds are unpopular It's a very mm. good article that analyzes why bullying happens. So yeah, that was pretty much my experience from back in those days. What about you? What was it like? What age did you start going to the gym? I started going around the same age, so eleventh grade for me. So I believe I was fifteen or sixteen then. So what happened with me, Harsh, was I was initially getting somewhat bullied because I was very short. I was, I recall the shortest guy in my. um high school class in 10th grade i was 5 foot 3 and then how much are you now i'm 6 foot right now oh okay so you made the recovery <laughs> yeah dude so what happened was like my dad and my grandpa would always be like uh, you know you're short because you don't play enough basketball and i was like wait wait a minute what like you're telling me if i play basketball i could get tall and they were like yes and they said it with so much conviction where i believed it like i didn't know anything about like puberty growth spurt all of that stuff so for the entire summer bro i played basketball nonstop actually believing that i was going to get sick like tall so i became 6 foot and obviously it wasn't because of basketball it was most likely because of puberty but i don't know man i actually do think the belief played a certain role but that's a talk for another time so by the time i go from uh 10th grade to 11th grade I go from 5 foot 3 to 6 foot tall and now the kids aren't bullying me for my height they're bullying me for my weight cuz you know when you get that <laughs> tall like you're just slim like you're just stick I'm getting bullied for another year man and by that summer I'm like okay time to like get big and that's when I go from 135 to 185 uh I don't know if it was all healthy but I, I just recall I got really big and it was the same story with you where they're like Are you the same guy? Like we don't even recognize you. So I didn't notice that where a lot of people start their working out journey because they got bullied or it's due to a negative reason. Did your family ever try to so get you to stop going to the gym telling you that it's going to make your height stop growing? Not really because I entered the perfect time. It's by the time I went uh I became 6 foot. They were like, "All right, and now you're at least in the 6 foot club. And now go ahead, work out as much as you want." So <laughs> yeah, so did you did, did they make it for you? No, but they were a bit concerned and they would tell me, "Okay, don't work out super hard. Like I know you're going to the gym, mm-hmm. but keep your workouts reasonable." And I don't know if like See back then, right? Back when I was sixteen, I was five eleven, and now I'm six feet. So I've grown. I grew like one feet in five. Sorry, one inch in five years. Hmm. 
I think that's why I've always liked shorter girls because by 10th grade, I'm like, I'm probably going to be this height forever. So let me start looking at, down at some girls. Uh, so I was like, 4'11", 2'5", that that works with me. And then suddenly I became six foot, but it's still like, you know, I, I think that's why it's like primarily there. So you were yeah, never like super short. I was never short. I was always tall. But I, th- I think that, you know, when you like marry a short girl, you're kind of doing a disservice to your kids, right? You've kind of like forced them to be manlets, even though it's not their fault. Is it? Is that the thing? So if you marry a girl that's four feet eight, your kids that's are not going to be six feet. Yeah. No, that's a midget. What about five two? Probably your kids will be somewhere like five nine, five ten. I doubt they'll hit six feet. I mean, they might. You never know. But that's a good point. I actually should. No, that's actually a very good point you just made. I didn't know that was a thing. Like, is there a way to calculate it? Like, if the one guy is this tall, the other girl is this tall. Like, how? Like, is there an estimation for this, or you're guessing? Uh, we're just guessing. We're guessing. But no, no. But, but I think, I think when the parents are tall, point. the kids will be tall. If the parents are short, then the chances of the kids being short are also very high. What happens when like two parents are short and the kids tall as hell? Did you ever see that before? I've never seen that. So my mom is 5'6", which is pretty tall for a Bengali woman. My dad is 5'9 to 5'10". So I'm 6 foot. My dad, my brother's 5'10". They're not no, that's, super that, short. That's yeah. in range. That's in range. Okay, you rarely okay. see, see short people having tall kids. It's very rare. Okay. No, no. You're, you're right about that. What height do you look for? 5'6". What if she's like taller than you, like three inches taller than you? That would be amazing. That would be amazing? That would be amazing. It's very hard to find though. Interesting. Okay. Uh, that's actually like, for most guys I talk to, they preferred the girl to be shorter. But you, you're okay with, uh, what's the max you'll go? Like what if she's like 6'5"? There is no max. 6'5", taller the better. Really? Yeah. I don't know if you're joking around or if you're being serious. Right I'm now. not. I'm not. I'm not. You're joking being serious. <laughs> Taller is better. Seven foot. See, I, I don't think about it in this way. I don't think about it as like being attractive or not. I'm like, she's gonna give me strong, healthy kids. Strong, healthy kids. Th- that makes and a lot of sense. Yeah. That's probably good for the kids. And if the wife is tall, it's a sign of good genetics. Something just like, looks weird about that, though. I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to be like that guy who says it, but something about it just looks a little weird. <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks a little weird. Kiss. If it's if it's too tall, it's a little weird. I mean, yeah. I'll tell you what. I, I, there's a guy I know who is six feet five, and because I'm six feet in India, I'm used to everybody being shorter than me. So for me, talking to this guy is a really uncomfortable experience because I have to look up to talk to him. I'm not used to doing that. Mm. (laughs) what is up with this guy (laughs) look up to him so did you ever hear about like whenever you see a tall guy like you'll go up to them and be like hey what's the weather like up there like is that a saying oh yeah that joke is really really popular yes it's popular but do you know a lot of tall people find that offensive it's supposed to offend them no i mean like I never thought of it as offensive. Like I thought, like you know, like what's the weather like up there? It's like a nice little icebreaker. Then you guys began talking, but a lot of tall people are like, "That's very rude." And there was this one guy that, <laughs> like, he was this famous guy. He would, whenever he would be asked that question, he's seven foot tall. 
he'd spit on the other person and be like, it's raining. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But, but, see, I didn't know, bro. I didn't know that was like something that was like considered rude. Um, and that's the difference between like mistakes and malice. Because like for a lot of people here, like if you if they see like a seven foot person, like that's not something they normally see. So they'll go up and like in a joking way, they'll be like, hey, man, what's the weather like up there? Just to break the ice. But the way that the seven foot person is perceiving it is that anytime they go to uh, a, like some sort of event, people are asking them that. And sometimes shorter people will ask the seven foot person, like, what's your shoe size like? What size pants do you wear? Where do you get your clothes from? Uh, like asking like these very like personal questions. So some tall people are like, how come that's socially acceptable to ask tall people these questions? But you can't ask a fat person their waist size. It's because and, being tall is good. Being fat is bad. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, being tall is like in many ways, like a flex. And it's like when a tall person is finding that disrespectful, like a lot of guys will never know, you know, that you're like offending someone, but it's due to like pure blind spots. See, I mean, if you're being obnoxious, right, then it's going to offend people. But if you're like being jokey and the person knows you and you're like, how's the weather up there, bro, today? It's not good. It's not going to offend them. I don't think so, at least. I, I will say that if you take any physical attribute and bother someone about it, like ask too many questions, it's going to make them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I start acting like it's weird for you to have black hair, like how is your hair so black? So when you look in the mirror, do you just see darkness above your head? So do birds ever confuse your head to be another bird and like, <laughs> sit on it or something? Right. Like, have you been attacked by crows before? Like, that's going to be like, hey, what's wrong with you, bro? Yeah. Like, this was Will Chamberlain, who I'm speaking about. And he he had, like, another counterpart whose name was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, both seven-foot guys who were, like, talking about life through the lens of a tall person. Because imagine, like, one day you're trying to go to the grocery store and you don't really want to be seen like we're like six foot guys we could just wear like a big jacket a hoodie over our head and just go get our toothpaste come back and that's it if you're seven foot tall like even if you don't want to be seen like you're going to be seen and sometimes people would be a little nasty towards them like one time like an old woman i came up to one of the seven foot people and like how tall are you um just like asking him the question and he's like seven foot and sometimes people would like be like, no, you're not. You're not seven foot. You're at least six foot 11. Like you're lying to me. And like, like it's like these small things that guys like me and you would never consider because we're just like, whatever, like we're just six foot, which is just normal. But when you're seven foot, that's in a completely different category. Like you're a outlier in many ways. Man, it's one of those things, right? Where if you stand out too much, the public kind of starts annoying you for it. Oh, yeah. It's like also if you're really, really pretty, like I'm talking like crazy pretty, um, it, it could be one of those things where like you're always being seen even if you don't want to be seen. I think anything that makes you stand out too much produces this effect. For example, I know this one girl, right, who dyed her hair blonde. And in India, it's not common. At least back in those days, it wasn't common for girls to dye their hair blonde. Mm -hmm. And she would tell me that random people would come and speak with her and everybody would give her extra attention. So if she's talking to someone, people would talk to her for like a long time, simply because her hair is blonde now. 
And I get it. You know, it's an exotic feeling to talk to someone who's blonde. Right. So when you stand out a lot, especially if it's something that's exotic or something like that's not negative, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's, it'll start to become annoying unless you really, really like attention. Yeah, that's another thing. Like some people are like, they feed off of the attention. But imagine if you're like a seven foot tall, like shy guy. <laughs> you're just like, oh man, like I'm not really liking this. Man, I'll give you an example, okay? From this recent wedding I went to, I told you there were politicians there, right? From my mom's side. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys are so popular that they didn't make it to the entire wedding in the sense that people just stopped them midway and kept talking to them and more and more people could, you know, they would do a rotation where one guy would speak to you for 15 minutes. Then after 15 minutes, he would go away and then another guy would show up. And the entire wedding took place, you know, four, five, six hours. And this guy couldn't make it through the entire reception <laughs> because he would keep getting interrupted by people. <laughs> was he annoyed? Or did he, he like that? He, he likes it. He likes it. At least this particular one, he likes it. But my point is, anything that makes you stand out, right? This guy's standing out because he's a politician. And people kind of want to take photos with him and mm-hmm. put it up on their WhatsApp and be like, look, I know a politician. I'm brave as hell. Or whatever. <laughs> so... This guy is just taking photos the entire time. And he, I'm not even joking. He couldn't make it across the reception. He was just stuck there halfway because people would keep coming to him and stopping him. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I know he didn't find it annoying, but I can see a lot of people who'd find something like that annoying. When you choose a career like that, you kind of have to accept that this comes with the territory. Yeah. And it, like some people will be like, well, that's for like the professional life. But now it's like, transitioning to your personal life as well did you take a picture with him i did not i i don't need to uh, take a picture with him like in a wedding right he's a relative of mine i can take a picture with him whenever i want if i need to take a picture with him are you so, like famous i am not famous i mean i'm internet famous but not in person famous i feel like you are like in person famous you're probably like a really famous guy in India and like I have no clue. <laughs> I'm just talking to you like a friend. <laughs> See, if I was famous, they would recognize me by my voice. So okay. I try to avoid being famous. I know what it does to people. It's very annoying to be famous. I, I know people who are really, really famous. I have friends who are celebrities and actors and actresses. And it's just very annoying to be them. Like these guys would go out for lunch and dinner and have random show up and take pictures of them. Like, oh, imagine yeah. this. You're just walking. You're walking out of your house and you're in the elevator and some kid pulls out the phone and starts recording you in the elevator. Oh, yeah. And sometimes they'll try to get a reaction out of you. <laughs> oh, yeah they, yeah. they do that. You know, they start insulting you. And you ask some uncomfortable question. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just met you, little bro. <laughs> Man, that, that, that's where, like, you know, not being recognized at all places is just, like, a good calm feeling has anyone ever just like heard your voice and they're like wait say another word wait a minute you're that guy they never did uh, that it's with not you? happened yet and for- fortunately it's not happened that's so i'm a mute sir i can't talk <laughs> that's so out of the ordinary because like you have so many followers i thought like at least one person will be like wait a minute huh and they're spending like the next couple of months piecing the puzzles together <laughs> like you're the guy 
I mean, if someone's put in that much effort, they kind of deserve, you know, who I am. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I think that happened in the Batman movie, where like this guy has like a clue. He's like, huh? I wonder if that really rich guy is actually Batman. And he eventually like puts all these puzzle pieces together, and he he sort of makes that realization. So, yeah, that, I mean, this reminds me of this cartoon I used to watch as a kid called Death Note. If you've heard of it. Man, that sounds really familiar. But I don't so know. The what that entire is. plot is like that. There's a guy who can kill people instantly, and the detectives are kind of figuring out who he is by piecing all these small pieces of information. And this guy who can kill people is a part of the detective team. Mm-hmm. Do you get me? So they're trying to find a guy, a criminal, and it turns out that this criminal has joined the team that's supposed to find him. And they're oh. all like trying to. <laughs> put the pieces together and eventually they figure out okay it's this guy oh okay it's a cartoon it's a cartoon it's a japanese cartoon it's called manga or something i used to watch that stuff back when i was in like school pokemon dragon ball z yeah things like that you watch dragon ball z i watched dragon ball z i actually love that show it was so good Mm -hmm. same here have you watched it yeah i mean a big part of my childhood was just like um watching some of the shows after it came out of school wait did you watch it in english or did you watch it in like the subtitle thing where it's in japanese but has text at the bottom english they dubbed english. it mm-hmm. yeah i watched it in hindi and what they would do is they would do this annoying thing where they would keep repeating episodes as they dubbed the future episodes so after a while i just lost interest i'm like wait a minute this is the third time we're continuing from this part hmm no, no, no. I watched what? it. I watched it in um, dub, but like Bollywood movies, like growing up, I, I would read the subtitles for that. What hobbies do you have outside of writing and podcasting? Um, I play basketball. I like traveling uh, to like, like the hiking stuff. Like I, I would prefer that, but there's not that many places to, to do that here. Um, I'm trying to think like, like my business is my hobby in many ways so um yeah i mean i like athletics a lot like i'll mm. play sports yeah I'll, I'll play like basketball have you tried something like boxing or combat sport yeah so i i, I was into that like I, I know the guy uh who works in the clearwater boxing gym and there's a lot of like famous boxers that apparently train there uh, we have a guy, uh, Keith Thurman. I believe he, that's the one he trains in. And he had me go in for like a couple of sparring sessions. So I, I like that. I, I mean, that's something I definitely want to get more into. Like the whole mixed martial arts stuff. There's a lot of classes in the Tampa Bay region. It's becoming really popular in the past few years. Mm-hmm. I remember back when I was in school, I was looking for someone to teach me how to fight. And I couldn't find a single school in my city, except for one, which was so expensive, it was insane. Uh, now they're everywhere. So you can find a boxing trainer anywhere. And it's so cheap that anyone can afford it. So You used to do that, but did you stop recently? I used to do that back around COVID happened. I used to box. Mm-hmm. But during COVID, while I was overhead pressing i kind of twisted my wrist completely so it didn't rack the weight properly 
and my wrist kind of went all the way back and it it's healed but it's not fully healed in the sense that my wrist my right hand wrist it still feels a little loose and when i went to the boxing gym again after it kind of healed as much as it has healed when i punched the heavy bag a lot my wrist hurts like a bitch for days right. so i've decided to not fuck it up in the sense that it's not worth it for me to pound my wrist on a heavy bag when it's already damaged and not fully healed and it still feels loose to me mm-hmm. and i'm like i need to i type for a living right i need to write i need to code i need to sit on my computer and if i get something like carpal tunnel or some other bullshit with my wrist it would make it harder for me to live and boxing is just supposed to be a hobby so i kind of stopped boxing mm. do you do any of like the the grappling work i don't i just i i right now my only physical activity is weightlifting and walking and hiking that's it i don't do well, any fighting activities walking is underrated man it's like um it's one of those things like i have to do and it's like i walk in a very weird way where i walk pretty fast uh, like i don't I'm, i'm not a slow walker like i'll walk like in a way where um it, 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 you'll notice it it'll be like and it burns a lot of calories like you'll be sweating right after you're done how many steps do you walk a day or how many this, hours do you walk so i do 35 minutes but it's like the like you're going to have to like actually like really be mentally alert to keep up with me um I had someone like one time stop me and it's like man you walk really like fast you should do one of those speed walking competitions and I was like man, that's not even a thing man I like google it and it's like it's not like I'm like walking like fast it's just like I have very long legs and it's just like gliding like that so you know afterwards like it's a, it's like a cardio like I I prefer that over jogging or running hmm you do jogging or running no 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 I don't run I don't jog I just walk Yeah, I saw I think jogging was like a marketing campaign to sell Nike shoes. I I was reading the um Phil Knight's autobiography one time and he said that his co-founder like uh, wanted to market his shoe, so he created the concept of jogging uh, to make other people wear those shoes and jog. Oh, really? Them. Holy yeah. shit, that's interesting. Yeah. Cuz it's like I've a middle of like is, running, yeah. Jogging is actually supposed to be really bad for your muscles. In the sense you're encouraging your body to take these you know it's you're you're basically telling your body this okay mm-hmm. we need to do a lot of these small step type movements and that's why we should lose any mass we have so if you look at people who are say long distance marathon runners they're all skinny as hell like they have oh, no yeah. muscle whatsoever it's the worst thing you can do to your body if you want to lose muscle fast start jogging <laughs> something about jogging man you don't look like you kind of look like a wuss doing it like <laughs> like you know it's like either run or just walk yeah, sprinting is really really good for you but jogging is like just bad like uh you ever done like fishing i have not i'm a vegetarian okay like do people there ever just do fishing and th- then throw the fish back cuz i know some people do that they don't do it here right when people here only fish because they have to eat the fish or sell the fish they don't fish for pleasure at least i'm not aware of it it could be a thing i just mm-hmm. don't know Fishing's how do you fun. fish i used to like so my house back at home in west palm there's this like nice lake in our backyard where you could just fish it's so chill like it's just like um it's one of those things that teaches you how to be patient and how to be timely 
Like you could be like not catching anything for like 30 minutes and out of the blue moon, you just catch five fish in a row. And it's like, it's very just calming and soothing. So it's non-linear, right? Like you can just sit around and catch a lot. Yeah. I remember like three days one time I wasn't catching any fish and my friends around the area were like, ha ha, you didn't catch any fish. I was just like, man, like they're all catching fish. Like what's wrong with me? And dude, one day I catch this like big catfish. It's like, we didn't even know a catfish was in our lake. And that's like a, like, you know, if you catch a cat catfish, you get props from like the, the crew. So I like came with the catfish. I'm like, guys, dude, I caught this. They're like, what the heck? So three days just doing nothing, like spending like just three hours just sitting there, like in my mind. And then like after those three days are up, big catfish. Nice reward. Isn't catfish an invasive species for your country? It's a what? An invasive species. What does that mean? Like it's illegal to catch it? No, it means that the species was not naturally a part of the environment. It was introduced by humans in that area. And they have no natural predators, predators, so they're kind of like disturbing the local environment. For example, in many of your lakes, there's a Mm -hmm. fish called carp. And carp is an invasive species. So carp has no natural predators in America. Right. And in any lake you introduce carp to, it'll replace the existing biome very fast. So... If you put carp in a lake, like let's say you put a bunch of carp fish and say they're like 1% of the fish population, they'll quickly become like 98, 95% of the fish population. They'll kill everything and just become the most dominant species because they have no predators. That may make sense why that catfish was so big. It's probably just eating everything. Let me see if catfish is an invasive species. I've heard of it. I'm not sure. Catfish invasive species. Okay, so it's an invasive species in India, I think. North African sharp-toothed catfish was illegally introduced in India. Hmm. I didn't know that. Let me see. USA. Okay, so there's something called a blue catfish. That's invasive to your Cheapsake Bay in Virginia. Let me check. No, no. So my one didn't look like that. It, it looked like that, but not blue. Uh, okay. Have you heard of lionfish? Mm-mm. That's an invasive species, I think. Oh, yeah. that See, that's something you wouldn't find in my lake. It, this was like a residential community. But eventually what happened, Harsh, was like there was like a note that went out that said like you couldn't fish in that lake anymore. And it's like because my childhood man i didn't play like that much video games so like fishing and stuff like or sports like that was really fun so when they're like you can't fish in that lake it's like what are we going to do now um how far are the villages from you like are there villages near you i can go to a village in an hour so is don't they have like these like village fishing because last time i went to bangladesh i went to like this very small area called nwakali and I recall like the entire village gathered and they got this big net and a few of the people went on one side of the um, lake. The other people went on the other side of the lake. They got the net and they like gradually went through the lake with the net. And there were all these just different fishes popping up. 
and they were catching all those fish in that net. I'm like, whoa, man. Like, I've never seen fishing like that before. That's cheating, by the way. (laughs) That's cheating. But they caught a fish for the entire village. Yeah, as a vegetarian, right, it's not something that interests me a lot. So I've not, like, noticed it a lot. But I'm pretty sure they do it. Of course, because they getting the fish somewhere, right? But I'll tell you something more interesting. Nowadays, mm. they don't even use these nets. They use powerful LEDs at night. And the fish become attracted to the LEDs. That's how they catch fish now. That's cheating. You guys, yeah, you, cheating. you just need the fishing pole. And you got to clap really loud. And wherever you see, like, the little circle, circular motions, that's where the fish are. You know, now they have electronic bait for fishing. Everything's getting too digitized, man. <laughs> so earlier you would have a worm on a hook, right? But now yeah. you have a small fish-like device and you it ties with your pole and uh, it kind of goes in the water and acts like it's a real small fish. It moves like a real fish. So it mm. attracts all these bigger fish to try and eat it and they'll eat it and get hooked to the line. And it's much easier to fish now than it used to be. Yeah, and it also depends what you're fishing for. If you're doing it for a hobby, this is probably the last thing you want. But if you're doing it for, like, just to get food, this is probably exactly what you want. Yeah, it's one of those things, right, where, I mean, like you said, you would catch a fish and then throw it back. But if you explain that to someone in India, like at one of these fish farmers, they'd be like, what? Why would you do that? Oh, yeah. Well, I would, I would catch it and eat it. But there are people that go on the beach uh, they have their fishing pole and they'll just catch a bucket of fish and then they'll just throw it back. This is where our grandpas can put us to shame where your grandpa didn't fish, but like hypothetically, if he did, he's like, I don't need all these fancy fishing poles and everything. Just give me a stick and give me a piece of line on nylon and some bread. And I got you. And like, they'll, they really know like the craft of it. Cause that's the guy who taught me how to fish, but my grandpa wouldn't get the actual like fishing rod. He would just like make it out of like tools from nature and he'll catch more than all of us combined. Yeah, it's one of those things, right? He spent a lot of time doing it in his life and we haven't. It's not like we can't do it. It's Mm -hmm. just we haven't put in the time and energy because it's not an important activity for us. Right. It's like this. Okay, If you go back a few more generations, you'll find people who could start a fire like from Mm -hmm. stones. And I'm going to bet my grandpa couldn't do that, but his grandpa probably could. So yeah. it it's all about what's useful in your generation. Like, can you change a tire? Yeah. Can you? No. It's super easy. All you have to do is unhook some screws, put the tire, remove the tire, put the new tire, you know, have the jack screw. But it is easy. Yeah, it is easy. It's, easy, it's just easy. I just call someone to do it. I'm just like, hey, triple A, take care of this real quick. They'll take care of it in 10 minutes. So it's like I, something I could learn, but I'm like, eh, I haven't bothered to yet. Oh, man, don't even remind me of all of this stuff. I have to drive six hours to and fro somewhere on the weekend in like the day after tomorrow and Sunday. And it's going to be like 12 hours of driving in two days. Trekking? Trekking, yes. This guy loves trekking. It's... It's a free weekend. I have some friends who also want to come. So we're going to split the driving. Mm -hmm. But I hope the car doesn't get faulty or any stupid thing doesn't happen to the car. Are you normally the guy that's driving or you guys, um, you guys normally split it? 
it depends you know if it's like two hours and one person will drive it but this is six hours one way so we'll have to split it and when you go trekking there's no like wi-fi or anything right we have nowadays we have something called reliance geo which is uh it, it's like an isp it's like at&t or verizon i don't know what's the right word it's a provider on that the guy that's providing you with your cell phone service and you have 4g and 5g everywhere so you don't have Wi-Fi because obviously you don't you don't have Wi-Fi, but you have internet. Okay. But it really depends, you know. You'll have internet at the top of the trek. So if you once you climb the mountain at the top, you'll have internet. But across the journey, you won't have signal, so you won't be able to take any calls or speak to anybody. So in in a forest, you won't have any signal. But at the top of the mountain, there is nothing blocking the way, so you'll have signal. Hmm. That's somewhat good because, like, during that drive, you guys can just talk. No, during the drive, we'll have signal. I mean, in the actual trek. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then in the actual trek, you guys could just talk and chill. Well, let me ask you something because you mentioned that you often stay with a lot of the the villagers in the area. Like, do you ever yeah, just go camping? Yeah, we some villagers, yes, this time do also. You, do you ever, like, just make a tent and, like, just stay where you were trekking? I avoid doing it because we have to drive, right? And if you don't get good sleep, then driving back becomes risky. So let's say that, you know, if you've ever stayed in a tent, it's just like a small thin sheet separating you from the ground. Mm-hmm. And if you're like a six feet guy like me, you're not going to like be able to spread your legs in a tent. Mm-hmm. And if there's insects and things, you're not going to get good sleep. And then you have to drive back on the highway. It's not something I would want to do. Right. But if I'm staying somewhere for an extended period of time, it's fine. You got to get those McDonald's burgers ready. <laughs> <laughs> what do you carry while hiking? So last time I went hiking was in Hawaii. And so I didn't eat that much beforehand. And if I did, it was probably like the McDonald's breakfast. But when I came down, like I ate like these two big McDonald's burgers and my body just absorbed it. After you're hiking, your body is so hungry. You can eat anything, anything. Yeah. And your body will just like, give like, me there's more. This, there's this thing called Cocoa Head in Hawaii, where it's like this railroad track that nowadays like looks like a bunch of stairs. So you go up there and it's like really high up. But by the time you're all the way up there, you get this beautiful view of Hawaii. Like you get to just see all of Hawaii from like a widescreen view. And it's just like it's such an adventure because it's going to take you like a couple of hours just going up there, just enjoying the scene, then coming back down. And you just like see different people. Like you'll see little kids just like running up there. Um it's a fun atmosphere, man. Like I really do like hiking, but it's just like in this area, there's not that many opportunities to hike definitely i can i can see it's sad that you can't hike as much it's one of the best things you can do as a guy you know it's like it's a natural thing god has made in men to have adventure to want to explore new places yeah oh yeah did you see this tweet i made where i said that there's like the three main things a man wants psychologically outside of say you know the basic things like sex mm-hmm. i mean the first thing is fighting you know you want to fight the second thing is exploring new places. And the third thing is going at really fast speeds. 
Mm. So the last one, like, what do you mean? Like driving or just in life in general? No, I mean, fast speeds, like, uh, for example, earlier we would go on horses. Now people want to fly on planes and, you know, mm. go, go. That's a good observation. You know, we had like good, good speed. That's something the man kind of like enjoys. Like yeah. if you tell a kid what he wants, he wants a fast car. Like no one wants a slow car. No one wants a car. Like we're gonna go at fifteen kmph. Like, no one the wants slowest that. horse. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done horseback riding? I have. What's like? Well, I don't know if you're allowed to say this, but what's like the coolest place outside of India you've been? No comment. No comment. Okay, man. There's like a lot of like unique places in the world to still visit. One thing that I've been seeing, man. Um. I forgot the name of it, but it's like these sky. I think it's called like Aurora lights or something. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah. the Aurora lights, the green lights that show up, right? Yeah. Where is that? It's in a lot of places, but even in Antarctica, they have it. Okay. Yeah. That's just like one of those, like, I, at first I thought these were like Photoshopped images and I'm like, wait a minute, these are for real? It's like, yeah, it's for real. Like in certain parts of the world, like the sky's lights look like that at a certain time. Yeah, it happens a couple times a year. Have you seen that? How, what places have you been to outside the US that you really, really liked? So I like, I like. So whenever we would go to Bangladesh, like growing up, like we'd make a pit stop to Abu Dhabi, which is right by Dubai, and I really liked that man. Like when I went there, my cousin was just like, uh, like, like we'd go into his place and he'd leave the door open or unlocked. I was like, you're not gonna lock the door. He's like, why would I lock the door? I was like, what if someone comes and steals? He's like, comes and steals here? And it's just like the concept didn't even exist to him because people there are so freaking peaceful. And it's just uh, it's just a different vibe where it's like everyone's just trying to help you out. There's different places to visit, try. Uh, there's like, if you want to see something cool, uh, I think like there's this mall like one of the rooms or the entire floor is made out of like straight up gold. One of the biggest like skyscrapers are there. So Abu Dhabi, Dubai, like I really liked that place because if you're here, a lot of the times, like the Western media will paint like anything like Dubai, Abu Dhabi as like, uh, like one of these terror. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just like, man, these, these are nice spots. Uh, Cozumel, Mexico, been there, uh, Bahamas and Hawaii was definitely like an experience. Arman, yes. What is the worst trip you've been on? And bro, I'm not gonna lie, man. Like the worst trip I've been on was like that Gatlinburg trip I was telling you about, because I was going with a girl, and like, here's the thing that I noticed: it's like when everything's going well, like this girl was like, you know, like felt a little confident. So we're going from Florida to Atlanta, right? Hmm. And then by the time we go from Atlanta to Tennessee, she's like. I noticed in Atlanta you were driving the entire time. I'm like, so? She's like, well, women can drive too. I was like, I'm not saying you can't, you know? And she's making this big fuss about it. And so she's like, I want to drive from Atlanta to Tennessee. So I was like, all right, go, go for it. So she drives from Atlanta to Tennessee. And she's over here like talking this game like, see, women can drive too. But by the time we get to the Airbnb, the one that I was telling you about with a very steep um, road. Mm. <laughs> my god you're the man you have to drive <laughs> uh, i was like oh okay now like you want to play like you know like this innocent like little like you know 
and Dance it's like in distress. And so that's when, like, you know, I ended up driving up, down, and now she's getting confident again. She's just like, oh yeah, yeah, like uh, I could do whatever you can. And then we go into Gatlinburg, Tennessee, mind you, like our Wi-Fi, this stuff isn't working. And for more context, like in a couple of days, the election is about to happen, the 2016 election. And it's like, we're just getting a bunch of like negative press from the media of anyone that wears MAGA caps. Like these people are racist. If you're brown, worry, like worry a lot, right? So we're in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and it's just like MAGA county like everyone's wearing mega caps and locker up shirts and now the girl's like oh my god you're the man you have to you have to protect me and i'm like look at this man it's like whenever like there's distress like <laughs> we're back to the traditional gender roles but whenever things are going well it's like we're all equal in everything and so it's like it's one of those trips man it's just like where you're very uncertain the entire time even where when you're in the cabin like you're in top of like this hill or whatever there's like no one around you but every now and then you'll hear like sounds like i'm like man i don't know if that's like a robber or if that's a bear <laughs> you know what i'm saying and it's like let me call 911 it's like oh wait i don't have any service so it's like it's a trip for certain groups of people but it wasn't a trip for me i i didn't like it what type of trip do you actually like like do you like more luxury trips or do you like cheap trips or do you like say camping I'm a simple guy, man. Like my favorite kinds of trips are cruises where you get like best of all worlds. Like there's like a community you will see in the cruise, like who will eventually like become your family for the next four to five days. Um, but if you don't want to do that, you don't have to do that. There's food. You get to go to places like Jamaica, Mexico, Bahamas. Um, if you're a drinker, you could drink. There's activities. Like for me, I'm really simple. I'm a, I'm a cruise guy. Hmm. But if you want to go hiking, you can. So that's where like the excursions are for. So the cruise will go to different spots every now and then. Like it'll go to an island where you can do whatever in the island. So it's like I feel as though cruises are underrated because it's super cheap, right? You could get like a hundred fifty dollar cruise for four days, and I enjoy it. What about you? Yeah. So back when I was a kid, right? Back when I was like poor i used to think of these cruises as something that rich people would do and you know it's all for like rich people like you have this big boat and it looks all posh and but as i grew older i kind of experienced more of the world and i realized that wait a minute this thing is for everyday people it's like a cheap holiday and yeah i kind of used to judge people for going on cruises i don't anymore you judged them because you thought they were like too snobby and wealthy. Yeah, I used to be like, okay, this is for like ultra rich people. You know, they're sitting on a boat and going out for like five, six days. This must be so expensive. I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. So back when I was like 15, 16 years old or something. And uh, it was only when I grew older, I realized, wait a minute, like these people are not snobby at all. They're like regular people. Yeah. It's one of those things, shows. you know. Mm -hmm. it, it made me realize that you need to have life experience before you start judging people because when you don't have life experience, it's, it's very easy to judge people for everything. And you don't really understand the situation properly. For example, if you like, if you judge someone say for, for anything, you know, say that this person didn't have any kids 
And, you know, let's say, let's take a woman, okay, let's take a 30 year old woman who's childless. Now, it's very easy for anyone to judge her, like, hey, she's childless, she's an idiot. Like, she's a woman and she couldn't have kids, she didn't get married, she's single. Mm-hmm. But when you have life experience, you kind of understand understand her perspective more. I mean, imagine being female in today's environment. And ever since you're a kid, society has been telling you that men are evil, men are evil, and you should have your career and you should, you know, work and be something and, you know, not get married. And it's something that they've been told ever since they were little girls, like since they were like five years old, you know, that if you, if you, your husband is going to abuse you, so, you know, you should have your own career so you can leave and things like that. That's been fed into her mind ever since she was so small. Mm-hmm. And of course, it makes sense that she kind of educated herself and went to school till she was like 21, 22, 23 years old. And then she spent some years working. And given the pressure, she couldn't find a decent husband or she couldn't find a guy. And now she's single at 30. And instead of judging her, when you have life experience, you kind of, you understand the situation. Of course, it's not a pretty situation. You would not want to be in that situation. But instead of being like, ha ha, she's 30 and she's single. Like, oh shit, she's 30 and single. That sucks. She's the victim of today's generation. Like she's the victim of the, victim of the times we live in. She is not the perpetrator. Hmm. So you kind of, as you get more life experience, you tend to become less judgmental and you become more understanding of where people are and why they are the way they are, even though you may not like them. Oh, yeah. Because you don't know the full picture from their lens. You don't know why they became the way they became and how they ended up the way they ended up. Like like a 30-year-old single woman, like back when when I was 16, I'd be like, ah, 30 year old single woman, look at her, she's shit. <laughs> Life is fucked. <laughs> but you know, now it's more like, wait a minute, I can I can see this happening to people, right? Like I've had this happen to people in my family, people who I love and know. Mm-hmm. And I can see the trajectory of why it happens. And I you can appreciate the fact that sometimes, of course, these girls are just dumb, but sometimes, and in many cases actually where they've kind of been fed something by society ever since they were little children. They've been watching TV. This thing has been repeated on TV, movies, everywhere they see. They've been told a certain thing. And what's happening to them is that they're essentially a victim of the current world we live in. Do you get me? I do get you. And other times, Harsh, it's not even like fully that sometimes they actually were on that path where there's a girl here like uh, my friend's older sister she's like 34 and like unmarried no kids or anything and it's like when you look at her it's like whoa what happened to her but she was in this like long relationship from age 18 to 26 and she was um married actually and then out of nowhere her husband cheats on her and then leaves her so now it's like at age 26, she has to, like, you know, obviously overcome the breakup process, then emotion. So you're not bringing that baggage immediately to another relationship. So she goes into another relationship after two years of just dealing with it. And the new guy cheats on her too. So now it's like she's 28. And now it's like she has a very negative view. Yeah. She's just <laughs> like, whoa, like, like, what the heck? And it's like, sometimes like that's the path that they wanted they wanted to have eventually like a relationship have kids and such but it's just like they were put in different circumstances where 
that didn't happen. And like, and as an outsider, you're like, whoa, look at you. You're 34 and unmarried. It's like when you understand the story, you're like, hmm, okay. I empathize more with you. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, I don't, I may or may not agree with your actions or whatever, but Mm -hmm. as a human being, I get how you became what you became and how you ended up where you ended up in your life and why you're doing what you're doing. And that's something that makes you a much less judgmental person. Like nowadays, I just don't, I rarely judge people. I'm like, okay, I get it. Or I mean, I, I judge people for like being intentionally dumb. For example, I know girls who, or I know people who are like, they're aware they're broke as fuck and they're still maxing out their credit cards. I mean, that's that's a dumb ass move. Mm-hmm, like I'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, this guy's an idiot. Right. But there are things where you will be like, okay, wait a minute. I, I get how this person ended up here. Like, I, I get it. I get it. I, I don't agree with this this guy's actions. Like, I know this one guy. I mean, I, I know of this one guy. He lives close to me. And this is like a 45, 50-year-old guy who kind of kicked out, kicked his mother out of his house. Like, wait a minute, dude. I'm like, why, would you, why the fuck would you do that? Why the fuck would you kick your mom out of your house? But apparently, they had some kind of big-ass argument and the guy's wife was about to leave. And I'm like, I still, I still don't agree with the fact that you can get mom out of your house. Damn. But <laughs> that's something was... in, yeah, that's something in India that's like, well, you judge a lot for that. Like just at a baseline level, right? Yeah, you would you get a lot of judgment for that. And of course, I don't agree with what he's done, what he did. But I mean, I kind of sympathize, you know, it's like a tough decision for him also. Like his wife is, you know, she has his kids and she's like, I'm going to take the kids and I'm going to leave. Uh, unless you know this woman she stops like if if you know i don't know what happened maybe the 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 wife and the mom had a fight or something mm-hmm. uh, and i'm like that's a tough decision you know one so, there's no winning here right either your yeah. mom leaves or your wife and kids leave so i think he must have made some decision thinking okay so the wife is right in this matter and the mom is being unreasonable i don't know what he did i just know of this guy like i i kind of sympathize with him but like if you had told me this six seven years ago, I'd be so heavily judgmental. I would be like insanely judgmental to this guy. Oh yeah. At what age were you like not judging as much? I think it's a linear process that happened over time as I just accumulated more life experience. Mm-hmm. So as I like understood more of the world, I became less judgmental. Of course, I still judge people for things that are you know. That I believe that are mistakes that are easily preventable. For example, the double vaccination. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that people got the first one, but I mean, you should have been smart enough after the first one. You got it three times, you're an idiot. Yeah, I mean, repeated mistakes, that's a habit. There's like, like there's a girl here that got four DUIs. It's like, how do you get four DUIs? Like, how did you not learn after the second one, let alone the first one? A DUI is driving under influence, like drink alcohol, oh, and drunk drug. driving. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh, four of them. That's insane. I think that people who drink and drive should be tried for murder or they should be sent to jail for like 10 15 years. Hmm, I could see a case being made for that. I almost died to a drunk driver once. Did I ever tell you? No, you didn't. Yeah, this was this was back when I was 19 and I was in this rickshaw and 
there was this drunk drug driver who crashed into the rickshaw from behind and the rickshaw rose up a couple feet in the air and it was i didn't get any injuries luckily i just i just got very very shaken and i had to like sit around for like half an hour to recover mm. i didn't get injured but that thing could have very well killed me had the rickshaw not risen up in the air the truck would have gone over the rickshaw and we would all have died and oh this was an entirely avoidable accident and the only reason it happened was because a truck driver was drunk a and truck driver too yeah, the, the the only person that was drunk was a truck driver and truck drivers are almost always drunk they they they, they drink a lot and driving a truck while you're drunk is just scary. he has no risk right what's going to happen to him he's in a truck you're going to yeah. die so <laughs> I think that drunk driving should have a very strict stringent punishment. Mhm. Like I'm, you... I'm not even against a death penalty for this. Like if you drink and drive you should be put to death. Uh I got to I got to think this one through more. I don't know if the I would go as far as death penalty but I like could maybe, definitely maybe maybe for the repeat for offense you know if you if you see if you do it twice like the first yeah. offense 7 years in prison second offense you get put to death. Because at the end of the day you're going to kill someone. Mhm. And you're gonna kill someone innocent. Yeah, that actually happened. Um, like there was like that viral clip going around where this guy like totaled his car. He was drunk and he was about to run, and someone like stopped him from running. And he was just like, uh, the guy that stopped him was like, "Do you know what you could have done? You could have killed so many people." And I was just reading the thread, and so many people were just like, "Man, this was like such a horrifying video." Because many times I drove drunk, and I could have been that guy. So a lot of people actually do drive drunk but they never get caught for drunk driving. Man, that's insane. That's fucking insane. I I think that at some point we'll have shit like this, okay? We'll have some kind of breathometer in cars mm-hmm. where the car wouldn't start unless you kind of are unless you unless you breathe into the thing. Oh yeah. Cuz sometimes you need to like really talk to people and just to let them know. Like they'll drink like three drinks and from their perspective they can't tell cuz they they're just over here just kind of wobbling but they just feel like they're loose. And if you're outsider, you're sober, you're like, "Bro, you're over here wobbling." They're like, "No, no, I'm good. I, I my house is just around the corner." It's like, "Bro, you're wobbling. Let me call you an Uber or let me just grab your keys." And th- sometimes they get hostile and stuff. They're like, "I told you I'm good." And that's how a lot of the stuff happens. It's like a lot of people now that i'm just thinking about it drive drunk they just never get caught or at least drive tipsy and it's like now like especially with uber and lyft um i wonder how many dui cases they've actually saved cuz now it's like something you could actually say like bro just call an uber and that's like a very reasonable thing to say but before uber and lyft it's like you actually had to grab someone's key from them you could drop them off but like they're fighting you more versus just calling them an uber Yeah some people are too overconfident when they're drunk. I got this bro. Like but they don't even know. Yeah, they don't, they don't even know. It. They don't yeah. notice it. Like do you know anyone that gets drunk routinely or you don't hang out with people like that? I don't hang out with people who get too drunk. But I do know people who drink a lot. But they don't mm. get drunk drunk. They just get tipsy. Yeah, and tipsy like that that's technically still driving under the influence. So they don't drive they don't drive when they're drunk i mean they just get drunk yeah so it, it's one of those things that 
I really like the idea that you had. I, I'm surprised no one made that yet. Like where you actually have to breathe in before the car can start. Yeah, that would be really cool. But I can tell you one thing: people will find a way around. For example, nowadays, right, your car will not start unless you're wearing a seatbelt. And uh, this is what they do in my hometown, where they buy a clip, which is supposed to be put into the place where you put your seatbelt in, and you you just leave it there, so you don't have, you can drive without wearing a seatbelt. It's just a clip. Why? Why not just put on the seatbelt? They don't want to put on the seatbelt. They think seatbelts are for losers. It's uncool, and only people in cities are supposed to put on seatbelts. And you know, since we live in a small town, all these rules don't apply. A lot it's of decisions go like a lot it's of decisions. Yeah, a lot of decisions go like that. It's like from their operating system, they just think, "Is this cool or uncool?" And then they make the decision from there. Yeah, it's real dumb because. It takes one second to wear your seatbelt, and you don't even mm-hmm. notice it. And here you've invested money into something that's probably going to get you killed at some point. Yeah, I have a picture of it. Do you want to see it? Yeah, you can share it. One second, let me find it. Okay, I'm gonna download it to my computer. Hold up. Do you guys have any like ridiculous like fashion trends over there? All fashion trends are ridiculous, man. <laughs> really tight pants. Do you wear really on those skinny jeans? Does life matter? I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I have my thighs are too big. I do too many squats. Oh, you can't even fit at all. I can't. I have to wear straight fit, and it looks like I'm wearing skinny jeans. Mm. But I don't did think ever, we have weird fashion trends. I don't think so. Did you ever have it when like people were wearing their pants really low? No, we don't have that. Thankfully. But you know what I'm talking about, right? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like you wear these big pants and you hold it up, and it's like if you don't hold it up, then you're not cool. So this was a big thing. Like, it, like, uh, let me see. What? I mean, I, that's pretty smart, but it's... yeah, it's a clip. You just clip it into the seat belt holder, mm. and that's it. That's what you do. Mm. So you don't have to wear a seat belt ever again. I'd have to but train myself to do something like that because, like nowadays, yeah. like when I get in the car, my body automatically just does this. Like, look at this. Like, this is do not use. Like, what kind of idiot is making this? Right. <laughs> like, do not use. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, for you to see. <laughs> well, watch it be selling pretty well. He had four of these for all four seats. It's just like you're going out of your way to do something that I don't really see being of practical value. This is going to get him killed at some point. Yeah. I was telling him that. I'm like, bro, you should just wear your seatbelt. He's like, nahi, bhaiya, kuch nahi hota. Like, have, you ever gotten a, have you ever gotten in a car accident? I have. I've, yeah. I was recently in one, not major one, but I had a guy on a scooter crash into my car. What? And the thing is that because I have a big car, people just assume it's my fault. Even though I was going straight and this guy came from behind and crashed into me and then fell on the road. And the thing about driving a scooter is that you're going to get injured whether it's your fault or not. So mm-hmm. once this guy fell, him and the guy behind him, they had all these you know, road burns on his hands and everywhere. Whoa. And you were driving? 
I was the one driving, yes. And this guy is like, you know, he's getting pissed off and, you know, he's into road rage mode. I'm like, dude, relax. I'll take you to a hospital. Just chill out. And he's like, no, no, no. I don't want to go to the hospital. So I just gave him like 20 bucks and he just ran away. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That's all it came of it. He tried to extort you like, no, give me $20,000. And no one finds out about this. $20. I'm not going to give him (laughs) $20,000. I mean, it's his fault and he knows it. And I mean, I'm happy to fight a case than to pay someone 20,000. I'm not going to get extorted that easily. Mm. Did you, but, did you know, your that's car what, have damage? There's an advantage to being rich, right? Where like, I, I'm happy to fight a court case for 20 years straight. I can pay lawyers to do that. You can't. So yeah, it's not in your best interest to like make this an elongated battle. Man, brown people here, like if we hear like the word sue, court, like we do anything we possibly can to not do it. Like if uh, like a car hits me or I, I hit them, uh, the last thing we're like, oh, what's your insurance information, bud? If it's a brown guy, we're like, all right, all right. like, you know, we give each other the look. Are, like, are we going to go American with this or are we going to go brown with this? It's like we both give the look like we're going to go brown with this. So what we do is like we go to like a local car shop we get an estimate and we'll be like okay it's 300 dollars. yeah you give me 200 and we'll just call it a day no courts <laughs> none of that was involved man how many accidents have you been in so i've been in like one pretty bad one like it was actually like pretty bad basically i'm driving and the car in front of me just abruptly stops and <sighs> the front end of my car is like like pretty destroyed at this point and we're like literally in the middle of the road so I'm telling the guy, like, hey, um, let's go to that place so we could talk it out. And as I go to, like, it's like a 7-Eleven. Once I stop there, like, thank God, like, my car actually, like, stopped working, which is going to be big shortly. And this guy never came. He just disappeared. And a couple of days goes on by, and apparently he filed a hit and run. He's saying that I hit his car and I ran away, which is, like, a big crime in the U.S., I think that one day my mom calls me and she's like, hey, Arman, the police officer is looking for you. I was like, what the fuck? And, you know, like, I, I don't mess with the police officers like that, bro. I, I'm scared of them. So I was like, why are they looking at for me? They're like, well, they said um, you did a hit and run. I was like, no, I didn't. I um, I told the guy, like, meet me at the gas station so we could talk. So we're not on incoming traffic. And thank God, bro, what happened was there was a tow truck that picked me up. And the tow truck guy could be a witness. To this whole thing because my car actually couldn't work so i couldn't drive away anywhere because if you ever get in a car accident uh there's like this little like liquid thing that like breaks too so that doesn't allow your car to function and due to that guy like uh, i was able to like just get it resolved really quick but it was wow. a it was it was an annoying experience bro because now it's like you're worrying like you're like well what am i gonna go to jail for something i didn't even do um and then, like, you know, you still got to go to work. At work, you're not focusing. Uh, they're giving you, like, this rental car. And it's just one of those weird situations to be in. And as I'm getting my car fixed, um, there's this guy that is supposed to be fixing my car who is, like, such a piece of shit. He's, like, trying to get me to do his job for him. He's just, like, like when I was shopping around, on where I should be getting the car fixed. He's like the salesman. He's like, like I, I will take care of your car. Don't even worry about it. Once I hire him, he's just like, hey, man, um, since I have so much volume, can you help me out with this? Like, We need this particular part for your car. 
can you call these three different companies and see if they have it? Ask for this part. If they don't have this, ask for that part. And I'm going through this whole car accident thing. I'm like, wait a minute, bro. That's your job. Uh, like, you should be doing this, not me. And you'll see it. Like, a lot of these people, like, they'll pull out the V word whenever they want you to do their work for them. They'll be like, we have a lot of volume, sir. I'm like, man, screw your volume, bro. You do, you do it. And it's just like getting in a car accident, bro. It's such an annoying feeling because there's like a bunch of moving parts that are getting disrupted. Man, I can totally feel you about not being able to focus at work. Yeah. When you have all these issues, I've had employees where they're like, like suddenly this guy's productivity has dropped by 60%. I'm like, what's up, dude? And he's like, we have this legal issue going on. Like it really kills the productivity apparently. Like it, it really makes it hard for you to focus and it kind of tells, teaches you, it kind of reminds you that how, how important peace is to doing anything. Like when your mind is not at peace, you can't do anything. Oh yeah. It's something that, my father was telling. Go ahead. Well, that happens because you know, like the whole thing about like not judging too soon. Um, like every now and then, like, you know, it could be a car issue that affects someone, but it could also be a family issue. Like someone's like close friend, like relative died and they're still coming to work. And it's like, they're out of six days and stuff. Like technically they have to come to work. So their productivity is just suffering. And for a lot of guys or girls, it could be a divorce and it's like, it's just draining them physically, but they still have to show up to work. And then as like a manager, you're like, what gives like you're showing an attitude in the meeting you're not doing what you're supposed to do and then like you have to really ask the deep questions and then you'll know what's going on yeah but i'll tell you what though as a manager it's something you really don't want to have to do yeah I mean, man like, I just get my you. work done i i go i also want to get out of here yeah i also want to go get out of here man. <laughs> <laughs> and now i got to deal with this there's some guys in my last corporation where they would get promoted to managers and then they would ask to be demoted. <laughs> they were like, man, I miss my old job, man. Like machines don't argue back, but people do. Like, I, I really just want, I don't want to be a manager. So there was like this problem for a lot of corporations where there were a lack of managers. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that happening. I can see that happening. This is not the thing in India though. In India, everybody wants to be a manager. Mm-hmm. You get paid more and that's what matters. But I, I've heard of this in foreign countries where you're like, wait a minute, like this shit is like not worth the hassle. I was happier at my lower pay. Because you become a therapist in some ways as well. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize, you know, everybody hates their manager, right? And they're like, when I become a manager, I'm going to be so much nicer to everybody. And then when you actually start managing people, you realize why that guy was like the way he is. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's all these people are assholes, quote unquote, for a reason. And that reason is that, like, as an employee, right, as someone who's doing work, from your perspective, you're always doing more than what the company's paying you for. But from the company's perspective, you're doing less than what they're paying you for. So employees always think they're working too hard, and companies always think these guys are not working at all. <laughs> and there's a mismatch there and that's why the the manager has to be an asshole to like get the productivity up to par yeah 
but they can't be too much of an asshole nowadays, Harsh, because if a good amount of your employees are leaving, then you as a manager get in trouble. So it's like this fine line of being an asshole, but not too much of an asshole, which yeah, is like another job. Attrition rate enough. Yeah, it's like this. Okay, it's like you are tax them, but you can't tax them to the point where they go bankrupt. Mm. So it's good like an analogy. optimization job. Arman, I have to get going. Do we have any questions for the day? Um, we do have one question from a gentleman who asked about KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing. Um, what strategy did you use, Arman, to get sales on KDP? And what advice would you give to a suffering newbie on KDP? Do I need to use ads to get sales? Do I have to create more books? Uh, for context, I published my first book on KDP a few days back, but haven't gotten any sales. So I'm going to answer this question in a very efficient way. Uh, there's two different paths, and I recommend somewhat combining the two paths, but I don't know about like what you're trying to do with this. Are you trying to get money quickly right now, or are you trying to build like a sustaining brand for the next 10 years? So for the first path, you're going to see a lot of classes on KDP being made from a lot of different people. And the strategy that they're going to talk about is you get your first book, and hopefully for this book, you did some research. There's a lot of um, demand for it, not much competition. And once you publish the book, you stack the title with a bunch of like uh, keyword dense words. Okay. Like, so if people are searching for it, like it's in your title or subtitle. And the first book is always going to be the hardest to make a lot of sales on. What you're really trying to do with this book is you give a lead magnet on the first page. So let's say you're selling a book on meditation. Your first page is going to have like a lead magnet on a five step checklist on meditation. You get their email. Now they're no longer Amazon's customers alone. They're your customers as well. So for the second, third, fourth books, you can, um, you can start doing launches. And anytime you do a launch where you get up your list to buy the book on one day, it boosts you in the algorithm and you'll get a lot of organic sales that way. As for ads, I don't use ads, so I don't know much about it. Um, do you have to create more books with this strategy? Yes. Okay. So the summary for this strategy is you're creating a book with keyword uh, dense titles. You're getting a lead uh, magnet. You're eventually owning your own um, audience and you're promoting the books to them. Okay. My strategy is more so about building a brand. Uh, so I, I'm not too reliant on Amazon. I, I don't trust Amazon like that. So I have YouTube videos, podcasts, uh, blogs, Twitter, um, email list, and much more. And I create content there. I see what's popping off there. Then I build books around that. And I pretty much plug it into the Armani Talks universe. So this is more so the brand strategy. It's a much longer strategy. Um, I recommend you do your best to incorporate both. Like this is where... Um, like you could ask a follow-up question, but do you have like a Twitter, a, a blog, email list or whatever? I really recommend you build a brand because in the future, bro, like just building, uh, like just getting a book, like it's going to be very difficult because um, it's just so much competition on KDP coming up. But here's one final tip I will give you. Like if you get anything out of this, turn your book into audiobook. Okay. For you to do that, you just go on ACX um, and you find a narrator. You could narrate it yourself, but you need the right technology for it. You just get the narrator 
you guys negotiate for a PFH per finished hour, um, don't do the royalty split where they'll do the book for you for free, but they get 50% of your royalties for the next seven years. Do not do that. Instead, just uh, pay up front, get your book and audiobook, and you'll be thankful. Um, because where KDP is getting a lot of competition, audiobook has no competition. Like they really want more creators to create books for them. So I, I convinced one of my friends recently to turn his Kindle book, which is already selling, to audiobook. And now he's getting like a $150 check, which may not seem like much, but for doing nothing. He doesn't promote it at all. And $150, like, like, like imagine if Got you have them. a couple of these. Yeah. So if you get anything out of this, turn your books into audiobooks. Make that like a big intention. If you How have any follow-up questions, yeah. The right keywords to write about. Um, so there's a thing called uh publisher rocket. Uh, and there's other add-ons that you can use to just do some keyword research. And you, another way to do it is you go on um, Amazon's like popular section. You go to books, you see what's selling, and from there, like you gotta install another tool. I don't have all these tools on the top. Hold on, KDP Spy. Okay, KDP Spy, and you see like which books are selling, and how much competition there is. So the keyword research route takes a like really long time. Like you gotta really like you don't want to actually write a book on meditation because there's so much competition for that. Have you tried using Chat GPT to write the book for you? Nah, man. I, I like for me, like one thing that I'm like fundamentally against is ghostwriting or anything. Like if I'm gonna create books and stuff, like it has to be my own ideas. Like I, I like the ghostwriting stuff. Like it's just. Something about it just feels icky to me. I know a guy who makes a decent amount of money from KDP. And all he does is he publishes erotica books on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And the way he does it is by using all these uh, chat GPT type applications. So we had GPT-2 and GPT-3 earlier. And what he would do is on GPT-2, it would produce like six, 7,000 words. They have some limit of how many word answer it produces. Mm -hmm. And that limit is perfect for writing erotica. So you can be like, Stella did this, uh, you know, say in 200 words, Stella did this, then she did this, then they did this. And you could have an erotica book ready in like an hour. And if you publish a lot of them, you could make a decent living. Yeah, see, that's where I like really think the like the mindset comes in. Because it's like, if you're trying to build a brand, like you could do that. But like, that's the, the skill. Like if you could write and like you don't want to automate it to chat gpt or whatever like you actually know how to write like i just feel as though that's a long lasting strategy but i mean to each is their own like some people they really just want like the money first so they they hire ghostwriters uh and stuff which is definitely doable as well so it really comes down to what you want but with your strategy my friend i recommend like you know you create some more books you begin to own your audience and you definitely turn your books into audiobooks do you think it's a good idea to pay people to write reviews for your book? I've heard that it makes a big difference for Amazon. If you have reviews, it really, really helps with sales. Yeah, it does help. So this is where like this gentleman owning his audience will eventually help. Because once you, let's say, get like a big enough audience, let's say you have like 500 people. Now you could do a thing called a book review team where you ask a few of those people like, hey, would you like to read my book earlier on? And 
uh, on launch date, you purchase it for a dollar and leave an honest review, plenty of people will say yes. And this is uh, one thing that Amazon's very good at. Like they don't annoy the authors, like where you're allowed to give a free copy of your book in exchange for a review or a discounted price, where with other products, you can't really do that. So to answer your question, yes, it is smart. Like stack up your listings with some reviews if you can. You know, courier friends be like, the book costs 99 cents. I'll give you $2. Just buy the book and leave a review. So if you do it to your friends, Harsh, like they actually somehow like have some algorithm that can tell and they'll remove it. Like if you guys are in like the same Wi-Fi network or even if you are in the same household, like there was like a wife and husband that both bought my books, but both of their reviews got taken down because they're in the same household. So Amazon's very like weird, like on what triggers them to take down the reviews. So going uh, to your friends, yeah, going to your friends, like, for, like it doesn't work as much as it used to. Oh, okay. That sucks. Hmm. Yeah, man. I'm like, how do, how do you guys even tell? And sometimes they'll make a mistake or they'll take it down. Even if this person is like someone you've never heard of, they take it down first and they'll ask questions later. Yeah, that's the thing with all these big companies, right? But yeah, I've heard it's a decent way to make money passively. You don't have to do a lot of promotion for the uh, for your Amazon book. Yeah, Amazon does it for you, so it has some advantages. Although personally, I still prefer Gumroad. I mean, I used to prefer them more when they were not scamming me, and you know, not exactly scamming, but charging fifteen percent. And it's fifteen now. It's fifteen. It's ten percent. 10% to Gumroad and then 3-4% for the Stripe fee. Mm. Earlier, it used to be 3.5% all-inclusive. Where do you get most of your sales from for Gumroad products? Mostly from Google, my blog, email, Twitter, everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, there's no one place. It's all spread out. Spread out. You bossed up, bro? Not exactly, right? Not exactly. I don't know how it happened. I was just focusing on Twitter, but a kind of my sales increased from everywhere. So I'm happy, but it happened on its own. Arman, I have to get going. I have another call in six minutes. But okay, bro. Great podcast, and I'll see you in two weeks. Sounds good, man. Uh, fun talking to you. We'll catch up next time. Awesome.